something fresh and exciting. Somebody with a sock personality that'll sweep people right off their feet. Where is he? What is he up to? What other terrors can he unleash at will? Calling your genial host, renowned writer, art collector, and teller of strange tales. What fiendish power did he possess? Where did he come from? Who is this man? Believe me. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network for a Friday. Talk radio the way our founders intended. America, where for the entirety of Donald Trump's term, they told us he was going to get us into World War III. Yesterday, Biden got it kicked off. All while his Secretary of Defense is laid up in hospital. <laughs> Day 1000. And 97. He put the Eric in America. Say hello to EZ. What's up? Good afternoon to you and putting the heat in Heather. Hey, guys. Double H is here. Dark History Hour 3. Movie Man Mike. Uh, Top of the final hour, your remarks here and there from the Florida Man Radio app. Yesterday, Biden hit more than a dozen uh, air hit airstrikes with airstrikes. He had a dozen, over a dozen uh, Houthi or Houthi. I've heard it say both ways. Houthi targets in Yemen. They're um, Dems in Capitol here are pissed. Uh, very pissed. They say it's unacceptable violation of the Constitution. Uh, the War Powers Act. He apparently uh, violated Section 2 of the War Powers Act. Um, they had not been authorized by Congress. Congress is the sole authority to authorize military involvement in overseas conflicts. Every president has to go there first. Uh, and he did not. Um. Quite frankly, I, I, I'm happy that he hit these Houthi targets, and I hope they pound them and just uh, turn them back to dirt. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that Congress would have okayed it. I don't know why they wouldn't have. No, I mean, weirdly, we have uh, both sides of the of Congress against this because you have uh, Rashida Tlaib was mad about it, and then oh, Middle East, yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene was mad about it. So both sides, neither seem to be happy about the fact that we did the strikes, even though we really should have done this a while ago. Cory Bush called them illegal strikes and uh, called on Biden to stop the bombing. <clears throat> the people don't want any more of our tax dollars going to endless war and the killing of civilians. We don't know that they killed any civilians, but American people are tired of endless war. Um... I know that we're obligated to defend, uh, you know, major arteries of trade, the Red Sea being one of the, you know, the Strait of Hormuz. And uh, they say this direction, the White House said this action falls directly in line with our tradition and historic obligation to protect and defend global trade and commerce. Uh um, I guess, did we, 
some would argue that we we we're there. Our our hardware is there, and that's enough to provoke these people. That's why they're lobbying uh, missiles at ships, both military and non-military. Quite frankly, they're they're um, because we're there. We weren't there, but I think we're there because we want to. I don't know. It's it's like the what the what came first, the chicken or the egg? The need to be there. No, I mean, if they were just lobbying at military ships, that'd be one thing. But since they're throwing it at a bunch of civilian ships, that's a problem. That's a bigger problem. Oil issue. tankers and the yeah. like. Yeah, that's a pretty big issue. So the Houthis say, well, you're, you guys are going to pay. <clears throat> yeah, you're going to pay a heavy price. They killed five people, injured six, the Houthis say. They're military spokesmen. So why would they say, you know, there's a terrorist group, by the way. Um, well, it was a terrorist group <clears throat> uh, under President Trump. It was a terrorist group. Um, but Biden didn't see it that way. And on day one, he released them from a terrorist designation. Here's what Kirby had to say on that. We, we do have to ask this because in February of 2021, Secretary Blinken actually revoked the terror designation of the Houthis, saying in a statement that yeah. the decision was a recognition of the dire humanitarian situation in Yemen at the time. So, wait, if you have a dire humanitarian situation, we, okay, we'll take out the terrorist list. For, for what reason? Because uh, then, well, they can't get aid if they're on the terrorist list. So, that's basically, from my understanding, that's why they did it, is they said that, well, I mean, we can't give them food and ammunition if they're terrorists, so we right. have to take them off the terrorist list. What do you make of this decision, and does it need to be reconsidered? A uh, humanitarian situation which is not completely alleviated, obviously. Um, so what I would tell you is that uh, we're reviewing that designation right now. We haven't made up a decision about whether we're going to revoke it or not, or change it again uh, or not, or, or, or not. Uh, but I can tell you we're looking at that real hard. Uh, yeah. We're again. Looking, we're looking at that real hard. Uh, here is his spokes. Here's Kirby on the strikes. And, you know, this whole time, Secretary Austin is still in the hospital. He must have some serious complications with that, uh, that prostate deal of his. There have been calls for Austin to resign because of his lack of transparency involving his hospitalization and his prognosis, his diagnosis. What's your response to that? Uh, the president has, has made it clear. Uh, secretary Austin is his defense secretary, will remain his defense secretary. He has full faith and confidence in, uh, in Secretary Austin and his leadership. And that leadership, as we just talked about, was on display uh, to everybody in the national security team as, uh, as he, uh, in a hospital bed, still uh, leading and commanding our forces uh, in some dangerous missions here. There have been nothing calls. says, nothing portrays strength like laying in a hospital bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's very powerful orders when they come by and ask him also what he wants for his breakfast, too. His nutritionist has to get it in. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's check in there now. There he is, giving orders, riding them on a dry erase board because he's ventilated. They celebrate, oh, they did celebrate. You know, there's a. I, I'm starting to believe that there is a um, a uh, permanent protest class. There is a, uh, a, a, a a lot of them uh, are in liberal cities, and 
that's where they, you know, love to live. It's more, much more fun to protest there. You get more press. Um, and they're there for anything, man. They're going to protest. Uh, uh, they, you know, the, you'd figure these guys would be tuckered out in New York City because they've been, man, they've been hating on Israel in their spare time and for for a month or more now. And but they did. They they got together. I, I don't, there's a network, a text chain. They're on a Facebook page. I don't know. But immediately after hearing the strike on the Houthis, without knowing anything else. They had to take to the, they called for an emergency rally. This is like, we got to get out now. Don't, don't even finish dinner. We got to get on the streets. And here's what they had to chant. U.S., U.K., go to hell. It's, it is. It's their right to rebel. It's yeah, the right to rebel. U.S., U.K., go to hell. At least they're rhyming this time. <laughs> Lately, they've been a law. Is there, yeah, do you have to get, uh, is there like some sort of bat signal that goes up? Like, oh, I know we're on a date. I'm on a date. I'm sorry. I got to go out there and protest. Oh, well, yeah. 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 What do, they, what do these protesters tell their dates? Uh, I'm a doctor. <laughs> got to get to an emergency brain surgery right now. Oh, okay, let me. Uh, I gotta check the notes. Okay, it's, we're gonna say uh, it's their right to rebel. Uh, UK, USA, go to hell. Okay, we, I got it. We can go and do it, guys. <laughs> oh my, my, my. Well, um, we'll see. UK was involved in that airstrike as well. The emergency rally was in Times Square. What else did they say? Oh, uh, hands off the Middle East, hands off Gaza. They don't let that one down. Stop the U.S. bombing in Yemen. Uh, they had they threw in some. This is a, like a, a a twofer kind of rally because they squeezed in some free Palestine and uh, end all U.S. aid to uh, Israel signs as well. <laughs> Man, I always laugh because these are the same people that if we went, okay, we're done. We're out of the east. We're out of the Middle East. No more support, no nothing. We're pulling everything back. They all freak out. Oh, my God, you're not sending them humanitarian aid anymore? No. What do you mean? If we were to pull out completely? If we were just to give, leave, 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 the, leave them to their own uh, and say, all right, you guys, uh, go back to doing whatever you're going to do. Uh, hang out in your goat huts and just we're done. We're not giving you food anymore. We're not giving you money anymore. We're out of here. Goodbye. Good luck. And those same people would freak out because they'd be like, oh, my God, they're letting the children starve in the desert. Yep. You told us to go to hell. <laughs> That's what you get, lady. Uh, this thing in Texas, man, is uh, huge. Governor Abbott has seized Eagle Pass Border Park. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, a border city plagued with illegal immigration. The mayor didn't, he didn't even know about it. <clears throat> he said he didn't want it. The uh, Wednesday night, they had already put up fences blocking off the entrances. Military trucks are parked inside the fences. Texas Department of Public Safety told Eagle Pass officials that the state was seizing the 50-acre public park through a disaster declaration on uh, authority Texas officials have used before on the border. They, uh, in addition, uh, they have no timetable. They didn't disclose how long they are, uh, have control of the park. Um, means all the... 
Festivals and events that were planned for the spring could be canceled. They're denying access. Um, the The state of Texas is denying access to even. They even blocked out U.S. Border Patrol agents. Um, Texas National Guard units prevented the border agents from patrolling Shel- uh, Shelby Park, which has been used in recent weeks to hold markets. You've seen this park filled with people just laying around with the foil blankets on, waiting for their chance to get processed. Uh, and I don't quite understand. They're denying entry to the border park, to the border agents that would conduct their duties there. I don't know if they're just going to stop people from crossing there, because if they do let people through, they have to. if they arrest them, they have to hand them off to Border Patrol, who's just going to let them go, hand them their cell phone, give them a couple of a 5K on a, on a Visa card, and say, and say, see you later. I mean... They're probably not good. They're, it's going to be more of an, a show of force, I think. Right now, it's like, hey, come on over. Let's get you signed up and get you filled out. Uh, if there's 30, 40 of Texas National Guard National Guard standing on the board on there so with, military with, there guns with guns and, and, and saying, nope, don't. No crossing. Nah, 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 go back over there. The people may actually be a little afraid to cross in that area. Oh, hell yeah, they'll be afraid. They're certainly not afraid of the Border Patrol. Um. As you can imagine, the uh, Mayor Adams is not happy with this action. Here's the... Mayor Adams, uh, you know, they never mention <clears throat> the why. <clears throat> He's the uh, end receiver, maybe, but they never, they, never, they never mention why Governor Abbott has to move migrants around the country. You think that the New York City is bad? Imagine what it must be like in in border towns in Texas, in Laredo, uh, up and down, uh, up in the valley. Uh, uh, you know, tried to coordinate with uh, just the mean spiritedness of this governor, who has his intentionality of just placing people on buses, uh, compelling them to leave the city. Uh, that is why we're taking legal action. Uh, when you look at what he's doing, history is going to really reflect. Uh, how much he has devastated the lives of people. Listen, this is a country of immigrants. The difference between what we did with Ukrainian citizens and other... Ukrainian citizens? ...way here to this great country is we allow them to work. This is so anti-Americans that we're telling thousands of people you must come to a country and you can't provide for your children and families. That's not Governor Abbott telling them they can't work. That's the, that's the Biden administration. And also, we took like... 10,000 Ukrainian citizens and they're in the middle of a war. Right. And I don't know if we gave them work visas or anything like that. We probably did because we took a certain amount. Uh, But we're not over there just handing out work visas to anybody that comes over the border. This has nothing to do with sanctuary cities. Uh, Migrants and asylum seekers are paroled into the countries. They're here legally. And so when you have a national leader talking about sanctuary cities, the reason we're having this is telling me she's not knowledgeable on the real topic. The problem is when you parole someone into a country, you should have a decompression strategy on a national level to spread it throughout the country and not target just certain cities. Or certain states like Texas and Arizona. Yeah, it's weird. That almost is like what they were doing, a decompression thing where they moved them to (laughs) other cities. He does know that they're sending him to other places other than just New York, right? Like, yeah, he thinks that they're only that everybody's getting on a bus as soon as they cross over the border and they're taking them to New York, Maine, Maryland, Chicago, other Colorado, cities, yeah, Colorado, Colorado. Uh, yeah, they're going out there everywhere. Oh, well, 
um, because the military presence, the crossings there in Eagle Pass were down to 2,000 instead of the 10 to 12,000. But the administra- the Biden administration has already gone to the Supreme Court. They've asked him to hurry up and look at this. They want that border open. They want that flood of illegals. They want it. They- and they'll fight for it. Oh, we know that. We know we've had the the story of the rancher who it was his private land and he locked a gate and they sent Border Patrol to unlock his gate and cut the lock off his own gate to private property. Uh, Texas state officials prevented Border Patrol boats from patrolling the area in the uh, in the uh, river. One of the officials added requesting anonymity because they were not uh, authorized to talk to the press. They're denying entry to Border Patrol agents to conduct their duties. He said, what authority does Texas have over the federal government? Well, the, the, in the Article 4, Section 4, it's the responsibility of the federal government to protect the states from an invasion. The Tenth Amendment leaves responsibility by the states, uh, to the states if the federal government refuses or fails. Texas is merely enforcing the Tenth Amendment. Uh, in early filing this this uh, morning, Justice Department described an extraordinary standoff between Texas and federal government, citing testimony from local officials and photos. The Justice Department said Texas was using armed guardsmen and vehicles to deny Border Patrol agents and federal National Guard agents access to uh, 2.5 miles of the U.S.-Mexico border. The Justice Department says that demonstrates an escalation of the state's measures to block Border Patrol's ability to patrol or even surveil the border and uh, and to be in a position to respond to emergencies. I, you know, I only see I see this going in a bad way. Like this could be this issue of immigration could could be I mean it I don't know if it's civil war territory but I, but and then again I don't know a whole lot of Democrats that are happy with an open border either, but apparently they are. Yeah, but how close are we to a uh, a fight between a border patrol agent and, and, a, and a Texas a Texas border uh, agent and shots are fired, and we have a you know yeah. the government shooting at the Texas federal, civilians? Right, the, the the national border patrol, the federal border patrol, in a gunfight with the Texas National Guard and Texas Department of Public Safety. <laughs> Uh, under federal law, Border Patrol is a uh, legal responsibility <clears throat> to process migrants on U.S. soil and determine whether to detain them, transfer them to another agency, deport them, or release them into the country pending their court hearing. The boundary, international boundary between the U.S. and Mexico is located in the middle of the Rio Grande right there. Um, Texas National Guard has maintained its presence with, with, with security points. Uh, and a temporary barrier in Shelby Park since 2021, they said. We've been around here for a long time. But there, it's called an extreme political stunt, seeking to demonize, dehumanize people, uh, and make it more dangerous and difficult for Border Patrol to do their jobs. I, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, anyone who denies that there's an issue there is just being intellectually dishonest with themselves. Um, 
the reason Chicago is hurting and New York is hurting and Colorado is hurting and Massachusetts is hurting and and Maine is hurting and California, well, California wants you there, especially if you want a uh, sex change, is because of President Biden's policy. That's it. It's not Governor Abbott's fault. He, he happens to be uh, governor of the largest, uh, the longest uh, line of border between U.S. and Mexico. And it's a lot of the uh, deliberate stoppage of the government to stop these states from being able to do. I mean, when you have uh, Arizona was like, hey, we've got large gaps where we don't have wall. We're going to throw these thing, these shipping containers in. It's going to make it harder for people to cross the border. Nope. Going to come by and down. take those down. Uh, wow, we've got a lot of this uh, uh, wall material that we could still just continue to build the wall. We, nope. we paid for it. No, nope. no, nope, nope. got to stop that. Oh, we're going to also sell that off. For scrap. For for scrap. Okay, well, uh, well, we've decided we're just going to go ahead and use our National Guard to defend it. The Border Patrol cannot worry about it. We got this handled. Nope. Uh, no, 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 no. No, you can't because you, you won't let anyone through. And we want to let three people through there. Um, and here's the, that's the one thing they're concerned about. Is not getting enough migrants through there. That's I mean they're literally worried. Without sex access to the mobile staging area, our, our border patrol agents won't be able to process thousands and thousands and thousands of migrants into our country. Excuse me, aliens. I don't know how you people are soft about that. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, when we return, <laughs> Michigan. University of Michigan may be the national college football chance, but they also hold another title. It's pretty sickening. I'll tell you about it next. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. As a veteran, you get a lot of advice. But wisdom's harder to come by. A lot of people imagine themselves in our shoes without understanding the weight on our shoulders. The truth is, few can understand the pressure of finding your own way after serving in the military. But few isn't none. You've got support. You can't control the chaos, but you can chart your way through it. Steady yourself. Take a breath. not alone. Learn more at maketheconnection.net. Okay, man, time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Pennsylvania, uh, I don't know, kind of roaming around. Uh, he was in a bicycle shop. He looks like he's in retail shops. Told the people he worked for the government. He's in the Senate. He is high as a billy goat right now. They've got him. He is. He's got. A, I wonder what his what his gimmick is, as, as uh, Sponge would say. I don't know. Yeah, a little bit of Adderall. A little bit of. He's got to have some. Xanax in there, maybe half a Xanax, 30 milligrams of Adderall, hit the vape pen. I don't even know. He looks like someone that's done uh, mushrooms. Yes, his eyes are really dilated. His eyes are super dilated. He keeps wanting to reach out and touch things. He's rubbing the flag. He's like caressing a flag hanging outside a building. (laughs) That's it. They got him shroomed up. I think so. 
He thinks he's still in the Senate. Good Lord. Well, University of Michigan, the national college football champions, also uh, are champs of another um, popular collegiate sport. Wasteful spending on DEI. So they've recently started uh, a, a five-year DEI plan. They already had some DEI employees on board. Uh, they're paying currently more than $30 million a year to 241 DEI staffers. Uh, a An astounding expansion of their DEI their already infamous DEI bureaucracy that had 142 employees last year, from 142 to 241. Uh, let's, well, you know, maybe we all know the DEI is a miserable failure, but most people thought, well, liberals do it because it makes them feel good, you know, and it makes everybody feels better when there's some DEI going on. Well, a quick study. According to the university's Black Student Union, so far, to date, $85 million has been spent on DEI efforts, yet black students' experience on campus has not improved. Black enrollment dropped uh, from 4.5% to 3.5%. The percentage of students who were satisfied in the overall campus climate also decreased from 72% to 61%. So, you know, I don't know, Hispanic and Asian enrollments went up a bit, but black enrollment dropped. So, you know, the Claremont Institute did a study. Texas A&M University found that despite annual DEI budget there of 11 million, the percentage of students that felt they belonged to the school dropped. Among white numbers, it went from 92% that felt they belonged there to 82%. Hispanics went from 88% to 76%. Blacks, uh, an astonishing drop from 82% that felt they belonged there to 55%. UC Berkeley, where you think DEI, they're just a bath, a, a swimming pool full of DEI, you jump right in it. Uh, they have 152 uh, DEI staffers, $36 million budget for them. Black undergraduate enrollment dropped from 3% to 2%. DEI, not only does it not work, it's illegal in a college admissions. Um, it makes things worse. It is and has always been a massive scam. It's a, a program that was created out of nothing. That a bunch of people looked around. And said, Ooh, wow, there's a lot of uh, racial tensions going on. We're gonna, we need more uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes, we need those. And then, of course, now you got a bunch of people that wrote up uh, their programs and how they would do it and how they. It's amazing that there's jobs for DEI yeah. uh, uh, if people for a thing that didn't exist two years ago, and yet there's people that are like, oh, I had a call. I've got a college degree in DEI. Right, and I, I'm the head of the DEI department. There's departments, DEI departments. I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, what do you need 136 people for and $36 million to go, mm, we looked at the numbers. Uh, no, we need more black people. Yeah. I'll be in my office did. if you need me. 
<laughs> I can do that. I can look at the numbers and go, okay, if we want uh, everything to be equal, uh, we've got, uh, you know, I've got 52 white guys. I got 34 uh, women. Okay, we need to boost that women number up a little bit. Right. And, and, I, I, and how do you go about doing that? You kick out some white people? You, uh, you know, you, you make you a cold call every Jefferson in the phone book and invite him to the school? I mean, you take everyone that you, that sends, uh, even the people that like jokes in, like, hey, I'm never going to get to Harvard. Let me, send, I'm going to send my application yeah. to Harvard anyway. And, and you get a letter. You're accepted. So, not only are they they're ramping up the DEI spending and hiring a lot of DEI employees, according to their budget, these DEI people make it about one hundred and twenty four thousand five hundred dollars a year. Yeah, uh, off something that didn't exist. <laughs> it's it's literally like the guy that uh, writes those empowerment programs that you can. Uh, uh, they always have commercials at 1 a.m. in the morning, like, uh, come to our empowerment seminar and you can get uh, uh, Jim Bob's book on greatness and he'll teach you how you too can be great. Right. That's all it is, is this is a, uh, some guy went, okay, uh, well, I see a need here, DEI. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. So I wrote, I'm going to write up a whole big thing on how schools can do a better job. And then I'm going to charge them $200,000 a year to let me tell them right. how to do that. And I'll come there and deliver a speech on how all white people are oppressors and everyone else is the oppressed. How... You can't, you know, white people, they, they can't even tell her they've got this problem. And, uh, you know, the University of Washington recently had to admit their psychology department actively discriminated against faculty candidates based on race, elevating a lower ranked candidate for a position over others because of a desire to hire a black scholar. University of uh, Wisconsin, Eau Claire filed a lawsuit alleging uh, a, a assistant director of multi multicultural student services filed a lawsuit alleging that despite exemplary performance reviews, she was harassed, discriminated against for being white until she resigned. A student reportedly said during an open house on the topic about her, said, we don't want white people in the office. They do it at Ohio State. Taxpayers have got to pay $20 million for their DEI salaries and benefits, yet... Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's public universities, $83.4 million over the last 10 years. University of Wisconsin, $32 million over the next two years. Why not? Why not? You know, I, I imagine you could give some pretty good scholarships away with $32 million and uh, keep people out of college uh, student loan debt. Yeah, that's what they should be doing instead of paying these. If you want to go... And you have issues with uh, diversity and equity. You go out and look at these schools that are in uh, Baltimore or Chicago, where these kids are barely passing classes, and you look right. for that kid that happens to be doing okay in that in that school, because you're going, "Wow, this kid must be a superstar if he's the only guy passing out of the entire class." Right. Even if his grades aren't great, maybe there's something there. Go and find you the give one that kid a scholarship. Yeah, go find the one kid in Baltimore. Who's, who can read at grade level and yeah. can do math at grade level and could graduate uh, with proper uh, uh, experience. That's the type of uh, diversity that you need. You need the people that are going to be, uh, they just need that step or that maybe that little thing to get them ahead. You're not just because of the color of their skin, but because of their area they're in. Don't just pick the person that just got out of college and has got a teaching degree and they're like, okay, we're going to make you the head of uh, our new psychology department. Why? Why? Just because you're black. I, I just got out of school. Yeah, you're, oh, you got this. Figure it out. 
Of course, Florida and Texas have passed laws eliminating DEI uh, bureaucracies. Wisconsin has curbed DEI's state university system. Uh, A lot of other state systems have ended the use of DEI statements in hiring, recognizing they're used to screen out heterodox thinkers. Studies show ideological diversity is more beneficial to the search for knowledge, and that's the core frickin' purpose of a university. Uh, the financial waste, though, is uh, incredible. It is a giant scam, and it's great. I wish I had gotten it on, on on the ground floor. I feel bad every time I miss one of these super scams. <laughs> well, uh, Bill Ackerman is not only distancing himself from the from the current incarnation of Democrats uh, over DEI. It, it He said he's planning to start a think tank that'll probe higher education following his success in forcing uh, Claudine Gay to resign. Uh, he's also spoken out against Harvard's adoption of DEI. He said it stifles meritocracy. It's exactly the, it's 180 degrees for meritocracy. Um, that's a good idea. He wants everyone over there to the chairman of the board at Harvard, Penny Pritzker, he wants everyone to resign. Good. I mean, I wonder if like uh do I mean, are, do some of our uh some of our audience work for a company that has a DEI policy? They could see it in their in their workspace and I mean, you know, we work in a building with a very large uh, cellular company over there. Oh, I'm sure there's some. Uh, it looks DEI like there's some serious DEI yeah. going on over there. I'm sure there is. <laughs> oh boy. Well, um, Chicago illegal aliens don't have a place to stay. They're they're going without. Showers, digging for food in the trash. They're in the city's what they call the landing zone, where they, you know, I guess the buses drop them off, um, and they're, they're staying inside buses, the city buses that aren't in use to keep them warm. <laughs> God, uh, every night they climb into eight. They call them warming buses to sleep in the office of emergency managers landing zone. Um. And some are scrounging around for for food in the trash can. They have 27 designated shelter buildings. They're all at capacity. More migrants are arriving every day. They've overflowed uh, to buses in the city's landing zone. Migrants are being placed in the loading zone and uh, until the end of De- uh, since the end of December. Man, the loading zone. Nice. I mean, what do you think's going on in Texas? Yeah, they if you notice they try not to show the cameras in Texas where there is entire towns that don't exist anymore because people left. Yeah, they've been run out of the they, you know, your their business had been broken into 15 times and it just didn't make sense to to open anymore. That lady that on that restaurant in Eagle Pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had been in her family for like 20 years and she was like it wasn't worth it because I my insurance won't cover me anymore. Right. Yeah, your injuries will not cover you anymore because you live in a border crossing town where uh, it's being, you know, devoured. Chicago has received 30,000 illegals. Um, 
They have no ties to Chicago. They have no idea, you know, what to do, how to start their lives. Uh, he just said people are just kind of warehoused up here. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what's going on. We're, uh, 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 you know, a lot of these folks for a week haven't had access to a shower. Ugh. Now you're not going to be able to put them anywhere. Uh, that's, that's the, that's the, I hate to say it, but that's kind of the breaks. Um, the, in New York City, the politi- politicians there are, they want some <laughs> explaining, um, there are photos that have revealed a map in a classroom at public school 261 Borum Hill as part of an Arab cultural, culture arts program. Funded by the Cutter Foundation International. Uh, this map appears to not have an Israel on it. It just has Palestine. Yeah, really big Palestine. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't erase Israel. And, and teaching kids that it doesn't exist is insane. Or that, it, that somehow it's there uh, uh, you know, unlawfully. Especially now. I wonder if this is a recent... Uh, addition. Also, are we taking large donations from the Cutter Foundation to uh, supply schools in New York? Uh, apparently, well, as long as they're, they're teaching Arab culture, Arab culture arts, the Cutter Foundation International, they make some grants available. You know, so if you'll if you'll teach little kids, you know, about Arab culture, we'll give you ten grand or whatever. Um, it's imperative that schools really accurately and fully teach kids about the history and origins of the state of Israel and not just ignore it like it doesn't exist. That's inserting politics into a school system, right? It is. Well, the, uh, the program is taught by educator Rita Lahoud. Um, funded by the uh, this QFI, the American wing of the Cutter Foundation, nonprofit owned by the royal family of Cutter. Uh, and they they said it, uh, the uh, the heading of the map reads Arab World. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Um. Did you see the picture of Nathan Wade coming out of his office with a handgun in his hand? Yes, in a holster, yeah, in his palm. He's got it in a, in a It looks like a holster that you, a, a slip yeah. on a belt, and he's holding it. I mean, that's not concealing a weapon. I'm sure, well, I mean, he can't have it inside the courtroom, so I'm guessing they have to take it out of his hand. He gives it to the security guard, yeah. and he hands it back to him, but normal, a normal human being strap would, it on and hide it would strap it back down. Otherwise, because it's not doing anything in his hand like that. This story, I think, is an important one. You know, she hired her lover. He wasn't uh, 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 qualified. He had never prosecuted anything before. She paid his uh, law firm $650,000. If you go to his law firm's website right now, it suggests Nathan J. Wade serves as the citizens of Cobb County as an associate municipal judge. 
Whether you're in need of representation after a major car accident or you're going through a change in your personal life that requires representation with a family law issue, Nathan Wade will be a zealous advocate for you. He's a guy is a uh, uh, an ambulance chaser, you know, yes. uh, and now he's making a million dollars. He's driving um, a, a, a new $100,000 Audi A8 4.2 Quattro. Wearing a, you know, a trendy, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's a big time lawyer now. Yeah, I think there are. Oh, it's open carry up there. He didn't really need it. Yeah, it is. But uh, have it in your palm like that. doesn't. You want any... someone to see it. Yeah. yeah, you're you're just holding a gun because, again, if a guy was to pull a gun on him there, he would have never been able to get out of that holster. Right. I mean, this, you know. They're not denying it. He hadn't denied it, and Fannie Willis hadn't denied it. The biggest issue they're coming across is this is not part of Trump's case. This is that other co-defendant. Trump's lawyers haven't even gotten a hold of this yet. So if he's part of the Trump case, which now they can oh, prove he is. That, yeah, and that they prove that he's had meetings with the White House and all this. This yeah. is just the start of this because they haven't even started. Uh, Trump's people haven't even been able to start putting motion against this. So, Wow. Yeah, all her, all Nathan's trips to the White House, Letitia James's trips to the to the White House, and and you know it's more more gaslighting. At the same time, Biden stares at the camera, and says, "I have nothing to do with it. I didn't talk to anybody. I don't know anything about it. We're not that. We have nothing to do with it. It is all of their doing. They found some patsies. They found people with lackluster careers. They weren't, you know, they were, uh, and, and they're obvious Democrats. And I, if you'll notice, except for Jack Smith, they're all black. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. The uh and and to do the bidding. Yeah. Of this of this uh, administration. Just like they had social media is doing uh the bidding of silencing people. Well, uh she solely authorized his pay against the uh Georgia Constitution. And no one's really saying anything about it. Who's going to prosecute her? Uh, the, take, the 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 Georgia bar? Well, yeah, would take the. Uh, I would the say state to go after. Her. Take who? The state of Georgia itself to go after. Yeah, her. the um, state attorney general. Well, it is a massive story. They've obviously been guided. I guarantee you, the timing of these cases were all set up by the White House. The, the administration, somebody there told them, you start this one now, you start this so that we could keep them blocked up, tied up through the entire campaign season uh, uh, leading up to 2024 election. Um, the, the His case in, uh, in New York, he made a statement. There it is. Now he can, I can say whatever he wants about it, right? Donald Trump. Which it's election interference at the highest level, it's a disgrace. It's in coordination with the White House and Joe Biden because he can't win a campaign fairly. And uh, we're going through it, but it is indeed a terrible witch hunt. We're going to have a news conference a little bit later on. As you know, I want to speak, I want to make this donation. At this moment, the judge is not letting me make the summation because I'll bring up things that he doesn't want to hear. 
And it's a very unfair job. Nobody's seen anything like this. I don't think they've ever seen anything like this. We have a situation where a statute was used that doesn't give me a jury, so I have no jury. I really have no rights, and it's uh, and nobody nobody thinks it's constitutional. People, legal scholars are writing about it like it's something they've never seen before. So, um, and a lot of people are writing about it, legal scholars and otherwise, but if you hear uh, basic pe people that, that maybe just work in real estate and know about real estate and know how that industry works, then you'll understand that, that what he did was absolutely everyday, commonplace stuff that everybody does. Here's uh, Shark Tank's Mr. Fabulous. Does this case strike you as odd? Well, CNN. Well, let's leave out Trump for a minute. And let's leave out politics and just talk about what happens in real estate development anywhere. So if you're a developer and you've got a building on, on a block anywhere in America and it's worth, let's say, $500 million and you want to build a building right beside it, you go to the bank and say, this building is worth $500 million. I'd like to borrow a construction finance loan against this asset. And I want you to tell me it's worth 500 million too. And the bank negotiates with you and says, well, no, we think it's worth 400 million. And you fight it out. You're always trying to show your assets in the brightest light with the sunshine you could possibly determine for them. You want them to be worth the very most because you're only going to get a 40 or 50% loan to value, as it's called. Then you borrow that money. In the case of a $500 million asset, maybe you get $250 million, and you build a new building with a construction finance loan. And so that's what this case is all about. What, and, and by the way, forget about Trump. Every single real estate developer everywhere on earth does this. <laughs> everywhere on earth. In the end, it's always been a victimless, victimless crime. There's right. no victim in this at all. No, not but, one. Not even the citizens of New York City, who they claim are they're a victim. Yeah, I don't even see how that's possible. They're not they? He got taxed on all that stuff. They all the everybody all around uh, is saying we're happy with how it all ended. Everybody right. made money. Everybody did. The taxes and, got paid. And we had a whale client to brag about to other uh, potential clients. Hey, Trump. Yeah. You know, Trump has. You know, we do business with Trump, um, and that's what they were shooting for. Um, when we return. A man who has a salary of $1.7 million a year has been fired from that job for stealing stuff from Target. What makes it weird is what he does for a living. Stick around. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. I joined the Navy to serve my country as a Navy SEAL. While parachuting with my platoon, my parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. It left me paralyzed. Paralyzed Veterans of America was by my side from that moment on. Since 1946, Paralyzed Veterans of America has kept a promise to our wounded veterans. We will never leave a fallen comrade behind. Thanks to PVA, Paralyzed Veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. To learn more, go to pva.org today. I'm William Shatner, and I've been around a long time, but I'm truly humbled 
when I see the real battles our brave, paralyzed veterans have faced defending our freedom. And when they come home. I had just come home from serving over in Germany. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later. I was paralyzed. While parachuting with my platoon, my parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. It left me paralyzed for the rest of my life. I was on a routine patrol, and uh, we were in the desert of Kuwait, and the vehicle flipped and landed on top of me, which uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down. Okay, folks, this, this, this is heroism. That's why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America, because they've kept their promise to never leave a fallen soldier behind. A roof over the heads, accessible homes and cars, jobs, benefits. PVA has brought me back to life. Show them their sacrifice hasn't been in vain. Go to pva.org to learn how you can make a difference. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Go to pva.org to learn more. WFYY HD3 Windermere, WXUS HD3, W266DY Tonellan, WZLB Valparaiso, Florida Man Radio. Ride for Israel is this Sunday. Go to rideforisrael.com. Uh, this is going to be a big ride. I hear that we are uh, in uh, like the 400 people range. That's awesome. Um, it is all to celebrate five neighborhoods that were uh, really uh, destroyed in the uh, October 7th attacks. And we, we uh, start and end at... Decision Tactical. Um, let me bring up the address right here. And uh, we go on a nice ride, a police-guided ride, uh, escorted, rather. There's no red lights. You don't stop anywhere. Um, there's a little safety spiel up front from uh, our the police force and uh, on how to handle these types of situations. And then we all come back. Plenty of security. Uh, we're going to celebrate Israeli culture with food and music, and it's going to be a good time. Uh, rideforisrael.com, a biker law, uh, 911 biker law, and Michael Breen law office and decision tactical are, are all in on this. It's going to be a great day. Great day. You'll be done by the time uh, uh, you can go watch your, your cowboy game. Okay? Tell me a lot. B2B2.com now has a uh, beautiful addition. It is a pullover hoodie, uh, B2Do Nation. A Bidu Nation USA Florida Band Radio. It's just just awesome. Check it out. Bidu Bidu dot com. Uh, Delta Airlines DEI. You're to capitalize the words white. I mean brown and black, right? But not not the word white. If you're describing a white person, it's lowercase. Yes. What, what does that mean? Why? That's no idea. It's just again. I white think people that's... don't get a capital letter. That's why because they're white. I swear it's uh, the insanity of the. Uh, 
of these scams that they're they're putting together with these DEI things where they're like, okay, uh, watch this. I'm going to make them put <laughs> on the book they have to capitalize black and brown. Uh, what if they ask about Asian? I said B's and A, uh, B's and B's only, no A's. Uh, if it's a white person, lowercase only. Let's see if they actually listen to it. They did. And they did, yes. Oh, God, that is, that's just, uh, there's no sense in that. What's, I like to someone to explain that to me. There's none. It, it is a literal, uh, the only way we can get equity right now is if white people, they make sure though that white is lowercase so they know they're behind the two uppercase Bs. <laughs> that's really stupid. Yeah, because if you use lowercase Bs, they look like penises on their side, and that's just not going to work for us. Oh, well, a man who uh, had a $1.7 million base salary has been fired. Uh, you think a guy that made that kind of money wouldn't shoplift? Especially, you know, not only does he make $1.7 million a year, he's kind of high profile. He is a point guard, or was, for the Wizards, Ryan Rollins. He shoplifted from a Target store seven times. He is alleged to have stolen uh, household things valued less than $1,000. He bought, like, body wash, some grocery, or stole uh, candles, stuff like that. He's been uh, charged with a misdemeanor. He could come with 12 uh, months in jail on a fine of $2,500 or both. Okay. What you, what's the reason? Is he just a kleptomaniac? He just has to steal? He's Either he's a klepto or he thinks he's above everything else. Like, I'm a basketball player. I don't have to pay for body wash, man. Just I'm going to walk in the Target and walk out with it. <laughs> um, do they have the same law in uh, D.C. where you can steal as long as it's under $1,000? I'm or sure. I mean, I don't. I think that's just California, but I'm sure they they let everybody else out. So why wouldn't they let him out just because he's a basketball player? True. That's just weird. He wasn't that good though. Average four point one points a game. I mean, he made a the roster. Right. That's true. And he, that's not a bad uh, salary for anybody, you know. And you go mess it up like that, buddy. Uh. With Rand Paul's big news, would that shock you at all? Uh, what that his big news was that he just wanted to yell about Nikki Haley? Yeah, not really. He's uh, pretty serious about it. Good morning, everyone. As I told you yesterday, I'm ready to say something about the presidential race. I've had a long res- relationship with Donald Trump, and there's a lot to like there. I'm also a big fan of a lot of the fiscal conservatism of Ron DeSantis. I think Vivek Ramaswamy's been an important voice. Also have listened to and met with the independent Bobby Kennedy. I'm not yet ready to make a decision, but I am ready to make a decision on someone who I cannot support. So I'm announcing this morning that I'm Never Nikki. If you go to nevernikki.net, you can let her know that you're not a supporter either. I don't think any informed or knowledgeable libertarian or conservative should support Nikki Haley. I've seen her attitude towards our invent, our interventions overseas. Did he really I've have to do it outside? Her involvement in the military-industrial complex, $8 million being paid to become part of the team. But I've also seen her indicate 
that she thinks you should be registered to use the internet, that people posting ideas anonymously. I think she fails to understand that our republic was founded upon people like Ben Franklin, Sam Adams, Madison. Oh, that's all I can say. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He couldn't do that inside the yeah. Capitol or, or, or a studio or, or, office. Or how about l- take a look at it, for uh, listen to it, and see if it sounds like hell. If it does, do it somewhere else. <laughs> Like he's got to. Did he just set up a tripod out there? Yeah, like I, I got this, like, guys. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Pretty much. His, his, you know, his staff was like, "Watch Rand make him an idiot of himself. Let this play and then win." I'm convinced that. Well, I don't know if you're selling this or whatever, but you know when when Pelosi has said similar things, and now Jerry Nadler about uh, migrants picking fruit and vegetables. That's what they think they should be doing. And we need immigrants in this country. Forget the fact that the farm, that our, our, our vegetables would rot in the ground if, it weren't, if they weren't being picked by many immigrants, many illegal immigrants. The fact is that the birth rate in this country is way below replacement level, which means our population is going to start shrinking. And the ratio of people on Social Security and Medicare is going to increase relative to the number of people supporting them. And He's got a point that the birth rate here is slowing. Uh, and uh, and uh, the Natalie's heard these, these Catholics from uh, South America breed like rabbits. Yes. I can't believe a lot of times they say that out in the open like that, where they're basically, he just said, uh, we need people to pick our fruit and uh, bang a lot because we don't have enough people. And uh, I'm old, and uh, all the people about to go on Social Security, they need these people to pay into it, so we get we still get our Social Security. So right. They're not paying into it, and they're not doing any of that stuff. Our vegetables would rot in the ground if they weren't being picked by Ill- many illegal immigrants. I, I don't know why we haven't gotten... If that's the case, I want to see the Democratic buses down on the road that says off to uh, Olive Farm, off to Orange Fields, and you they're sitting, okay, we need you yeah. to go to Orange Fields, we Let's need see. you to go to Apple Orchard. Well, they, when, you, when you get there, there'll yeah. be a guy there from uh, uh, from immigration, and he'll go, okay, uh, look, we've got a strawberry picking. You ever pick mm-hmm. strawberries? That's a strawberry bus right there. Uh, this is going to uh, uh, Naval Oranges and uh, Tangelo's, if you have experience, with, or maybe some limes involved there. Uh, and uh, just pick a fruit that you like to pick and mm-hmm. jump on that bus. Yeah, get on that bus and go that way because that's where we're sending you. I think that's what they're most mad about. With the, with they keep being sent to Chicago and New York as well. They don't grow tomatoes in New York City. Nah, I mean, <laughs> well, that's what Nadler's like. Nadler's like, well, you got to be sending them down to the other areas where they can actually pick stuff. They can't do anything <laughs> in Chicago. I mean, look, at least he is honest. I mean, we got Pelosi who said that who's going to clean our bathrooms and our hotels and our pick fruit if there we don't have those right. illegals there. I mean, is is that the way Democrats think? Yes. That that we need we need more. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Do we have a shortage of uh, hotel uh, housekeeping people? Maybe so. But it, it, it's. They just blatantly say it. And they used to accuse Republicans of that attitude. 
Like you, just, you just want illegal aliens to come in and, and work for you. You know, you, you pick, pick your fruits and stuff. Now you don't want those illegal aliens coming <laughs> in here and picking your fruits. Uh, well, uh, Al Gore has aged out at Apple. He was on Apple's board of directors. They got it right over there. When you're 75, see you later. He was the uh, as a, he was a board director. Um, he's been there for two decades. Uh, former Boeing CFO James Bell also exiting as he ages out at 75. A long-standing policy <clears throat> that directors cannot stand for re-election once they turn 75. They have an age cap. A, it's a Cupertino, California company. Why haven't they been sued for ageism or age discrimination? It's an okay with it there. Why not set an age limit in public service? I'd be really comfortable with 75. I would too. That's a good age. Um... Al, Tim Cook said Al has contributed an incredible amount to our work from his unconditional support of protecting our users' privacy to his incomparable knowledge of environment and climate issues that he made up himself. I'm all for uh, when it comes to certain that we should set an age limit on on things. I mean, you got people that are uh, Saban and Belichick just retired at 71 and 72 and everyone, thank God, there was, uh, you know, uh, you don't want old guys coaching college football and the pros are just too old for it. And then you go, but Biden's 10 years older than him. You want to be the president, right? <clears throat> he got this one. Uh, you think that the board of directors, is it an everyday job? Or It's not. You know, like, like, I don't know how often you meet. Probably rarely. Well, for his hard work of rarely meeting, uh, he made $377,000 a year in compensation. Plus two hundred seventy-five thousand twenty-two dollars in stock awards and a hundred thousand in cash. Oh, for he currently owns four hundred and eighty-six thousand shares of Apple Common Stock worth eighty-seven million dollars. Man, I saw fish swimming in the streets on a sunny day. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security, man, they did it. You know, human trafficking is a big deal, whether you like it or not. I know that uh, liberals think that conservatives are too hooked on it or, you know, uh, uh, focused on it. Just worrying too much about it. You talk too much about sexual trafficking. Yeah. Well, DHS, you know, you he he said... All we need to do is it today? Oh, I didn't do my part. Son of a! I got a little in here. I did my part. I wore. I knew. All you need is to wear a piece of blue clothing today that supported the fight against human trafficking, and post a pic of it to social media with the hashtag Wear Blue Day. And we. That's how we recognize the victims of human trafficking. Don't while, help them. Just while, while some poor girl is forced to have sex with eight or ten guys a day, you're wearing blue. 
we brought across a change. We had blue and a hashtag. <laughs> Parliament Homeland Security is doing a great job. Uh, tweets came in from conservative reps. Chip Roy. They pounced on Mayorkas' post. They said, uh, hey, Mayorkas, sh- shut down the border. That's how you stop human trafficking. Mike Lee of Utah tweeted, hey, Mayorkas, have you seen my blue tie? Under your watch, the border has turned into the largest human trafficking operation in history. The virtue signaling post is, is has as much authenticity to it as if Epstein had posted it. <laughs> You know, that is really, you know, if, you, if you're if you being impeached, <laughs> there's an effort to impeach you right now because of the, the nightmare of the border. And the state of Texas has had to seize some land and tell you guys to skedaddle because it's, uh, the, it's a nightmare of the border. Uh, and human trafficking is one of the many problems it presents, along with fentanyl and other drugs. Uh, I'd want to stay out of the whole discussion. Don't bring up, hey, kids, don't do fentanyl. You're the guy responsible for it being here. Yeah, but I also wore blue today. Yeah. <laughs> Doing my part. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the the uh, little boy who is forced to fillet an old hairy man uh, is appreciative that you've, you tweeted out wear blue with a hashtag. He felt it. He, he felt the love. <laughs> he knows you're thinking about him. Uh, remember when Russia was running low on uh, soldiers, so they decided to, what a better place to find some rough, uh, maybe, you know, guys that, you know, aren't necessarily opposed to killing people. So they let a bunch of killers out of prison. Um, that's not a bad idea. And they put them on the front line. Well, one Russian serial killer, Denis Zuboff, serial killer. He was freed from a 21-year sentence in a maximum. That's not a bad sentence for a serial killer. Yeah, they got weak sentences there. Uh, a penal colony. He murdered and mutilated three people. And I guess Vladimir Putin said, perfect. He is perfect for my, my army. Um, he killed those people because the woman, he had a difficult breakup with her. So he killed her and the man to believe to be. And he had an affinity for cutting off his penis. And he cut off her breasts. After he beat this elderly lady to death. You're perfect for Putin's army. Uh, he has been uh, neutralized. That's, uh, hey. It's a win-win for everybody. It really is. Across the board. I don't know. They don't know the the, the particular circumstances at all. Um, but you, you know, he had been in prison since 2016. Uh, he was let out in April, so, you know, he had a few months of freedom out of there. God knows he he raped some people, you know, got it out of his system. Who knows? He may have killed some Ukrainians and cut their penises off. He got almost nine months out of it. And Putin doesn't have to take him back. Yeah. That's the thing. Because opened up a spot in the old uh, camp up there. Can you imagine if if you were a a grisly murderer 
serial killer sentenced to uh, life in prison in the United States. We had to go to war somewhere, and and the warden comes by and goes, hey, they've got a deal for you. We'll let you out and make you a soldier if you'll go fight. I mean, most most serial killers are pretty nerdy-looking yeah. dudes, obviously. <clears throat> yeah, then you think of who they are. Right. Or just a murderer. I'd be too afraid that they would just say, yeah, I'll go fight with it. They just go AWOL somewhere. Yeah, more than likely what would happen. <laughs> oh, there's a new dating um, trend that you need to be warned about. Heather, have you ever heard of avalanching? Nope. You've been married a long time, though, haven't you? I think you? so. You haven't been married a long time? No, I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's a long time, but I mean, you know. How long is it? Like 15 years. Oh, that's great, yeah. Thank you. Um. If you're desperate for a date, you want to make sure you're not uh, alone on Valentine's Day. Uh, this is what people do. You, it, it, the practice lets the single person uh, they throw out their regular dating non-negotiables, like they, you know, like uh, age, height, yeah, a uh, uh, location. Just to make sure they have somebody, a romantic companion, before uh, 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 Valentine's Day. Let me tell you, th- th- that day means dick to men. Not a, I could, I've been single, it's been a long time, but I've been single for many Valentine's Days, and it always felt very freeing not to have to have any responsibility at all. Yeah, we're cool with it. Totally cool. So you get as many matches as possible. doesn't necessarily make it a, a bad thing, but... Avalanching means that you you're more likely to settle for somebody subpar that won't make the long term run with you, but it will get you to Valentine's Day. Dating's gotten really weird because sure now has. it's like a holiday. Uh, because remember, it was it Christmas that everybody was dumping, so you yes. didn't have to give out Christmas gifts. Now they're rushing at somebody now for Valentine's you rush Day. Back the other way for <laughs> Valentine's Day. Seventy nine percent of people. Uh, out of 800 polls, uh, admit to swiping with more frequency on dating apps during the month of January and being, le- quote, unquote, less fussy. You might go with a crooked te- a teeth, you know. <clears throat> and then, you know, sometime in March, you know, you need your space. <laughs> That's terrible. It's got to suck. Mm-mm-mm. Um, if you didn't attend Hillary Clinton's class at Columbia, you didn't miss anything. People did not like it. I don't know what they expected. Uh, the class on decision making, they thought maybe she would be warm and sociable and conversational. Um, but that wasn't it at all. Has anybody ever said that about Hillary Clinton? I mean, really, no, you're any, right. you've ever heard anybody be like, oh, she was so warm and sociable. Like, you just want to talk to her all day long. Yeah, a, 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 a relatable even. Yeah. They were hoping that <clears throat> she would be relatable. Uh, but there instead was a feeling of disconnection. Apparently, she just kind of most of the time sat up there um, the entire semester and read from her book. Um, and it was frustrating. This girl said, because a big part of why we were in the class was to understand more about decision making, why people made the decisions they did. Uh, 
the student felt like they, she was less relatable, more re- less relatable as the summer went on. Usually whenever you start to get to know politicians more on a personal basis, you start to like them a little bit more because they become more humanized. Over this course, though, I feel like Hillary Clinton became more of a politician than, we, than she was. <laughs> um, the name of the class was Inside the Situation Room. They said it would teach students to think carefully and analytically about how leaders arrive at their decisions. They probably paid us like $1,000 for this course, too. Yeah. And she, they said, yeah, she just basically recited pages from her book. She probably got paid. Who, God knows. What, what do you think they paid her? Oh, $100,000. Yeah, easily. 400000 500000 yeah. If not close to the million range. Yeah. I don't think I would do that. Um, when we return, we'll get to remarks. Uh, we're going to get to uh, scientists. I don't know these. I like the out of the box thinking. This is I've never heard this ever before, ever. But we, it makes sense. We can we can make energy from heat, right? Yes. And, and the more heat, the more energy we can create. This is out of the box thinking for sure. I'm not so sure it's a safe idea, Whew, but uh, we'll uh, get to it when we return. eBay, uh, a story about uh, some people gave eBay bad reviews, and apparently eBay enlisted some people to harass them. That's a big deal. No, they worked for eBay. They, they were eBay employees. But they were, they were, they were giving bad reviews. No, well, uh, eBay employees went after people that were giving them bad reviews. All right. Oh, okay. So, oh, employees nag those people. Yes. <laughs> I had it all wrong. Uh, yeah, they sent them some bad, bad stuff in the mail. Now e- eBay's got to pay them. I mean, if they weren't eBay employees, it's illegal to send that stuff anyway. Uh, I mean, you can't send a fetal pig in the mail or can you? Maybe you can. can. Yeah. How do you think the schools get it for science things? What did the eBay people get it? <laughs> what I'd like to know. Someone selling them on eBay? Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, that's next. Hang on. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. For me, this is really good news. 99% of Americans now live near a Mexican restaurant. They're in 85% of U.S. counties with just only 1% of the population living in a county that does not have at least one Mexican restaurant. I think that's how life should be right there, though. I do. I, I, listen, I really do. But it needs to be a good one. There's too many uh, cookie cutter uh, Mexican restaurants yes. come out of there now that I'm. You can just tell those drive me nuts. Yeah, um, but there's a there's a, a a really good authentic Mexican restaurant near uh, our house, and there's a, te- a great Tex Mex. There's two, three. Oh, I'm surrounded by Mexican food. 
whenever I go back to, to, to Dallas, that's what I, you know, go back to the family. Every, they can, if they're going to lunch with me, we're going to, you know, El Phoenix or Teal Pepe's or something. Um, that's quite an impact. Tortillas used to be on the exotic aisle. Now they have, uh, they're, I mean, they're a staple in my house. Yeah, well, you know it's gotten uh, out of the exotic aisle when you can you now get the uh, the low carb, uh, high grain tortilla. Yeah. <laughs> uh, There's no slowing down, man. Gen Zers prefer Mexican over Italian. That's pretty. That's you know, pretty damn good. Ole to that. <clears throat> tacos, <clears throat> tacos. I mean, there's a. In Austin, Texas, you could not possibly, it would take you a month or more to eat at every taco joint there. I mean, it's every corner. Say, is that including like all the, you know, trucks and things like that? Um, no, yeah. <laughs> it's not including the trucks. That's, I mean, the state, you go down, uh, Guadalupe, go down the, the, the strip in there. There's probably four or five within a two or three block, a two block radius. I love it. But then, you know, when there's so many of them there, then people start to get weird and wacky, exotic. You know, mm-hmm. this is a real Mexican uh, Chinese fusion or, you know, whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> Scientists have, uh, so have unveiled a radical plan for unlimited energy. Um, they like to drill straight into the side of an active volcano. So, tap into the unlimited heat energy as a source of clean energy. Breaching the magma chamber um, of the Krafla volcanic caldera, it is to be Science infrastructure, analogous to a telescope array, a polar station, a particle accelerator, a seabed observatory where previously little-known environment can be explored and understood. Okay, we get it. It's really hot. Geothermal energy, man. That's, you know, it's the way to go. You're not buying it? I mean, yeah, I think it would work. If, if you had a, uh, I mean, volcanoes aren't like uh, on or off. I mean, they are on or off. They're not like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? It's not like, do you, are there, is there always going to be a magma chamber in every volcano? For the most part, yeah. I, I mean, there, it doesn't all just like get sucked back up into the earth. Right. It rises out of there. So, I mean, if we can throw a geothermal plant on it where we're using the, uh, uh, the liquid magma to heat up water to uh, run turbines, and then they just collect the water. Just, I mean, theoretically, it, it works on paper. The work of building on a previous efforts, the start of the, the at the start of this century, to drill uh, close to one of the Kefla magma chambers. On that occasion, the intent was just to get near the chamber to explore geothermal geothermal energy options, but it wasn't. Uh, deep down, as expected, the project accidentally broke through the magma vault. Mm-hmm. Ah, see, that's what happens. You yeah, gotta, you got to have an Ocean's Eleven to break into a magma vault. <laughs> um, I guess the ma- that eventually prevented any further attempts to drill. 
because it, the overwhelming heat, 800, up to 842 degrees, destroyed the well. It confirmed that drilling into the magma chamber doesn't cause the volcano to erupt, though. Then what do they do? Put a uh, put a pot of water on there and make some steam and uh, uh, a steam engine a turbine deal. Basically, yes. In kind of the simplest terms, that's how it kind of works. This is they would use it to uh, tap into ultra hot water and uh, ultra high pressure to drive turbines. That's genius. If there only there was a uh, a waterfall near this volcano, we'd be in great shape. No, I mean just pump seawater into it. You don't uh, you don't like the idea? Uh, I mean, I'm curious about it. There's reasons that we haven't tried to do this on a, a grander scale. We've ha- we do have geothermal plants out there, they right? Uh, they're not the greatest working, from my understanding. Geothermal they- is used to re- uh, to regulate. Uh, large outdoor swim pools yeah. does very well at that. You can a lot of air conditioner systems can you know use it that way. So I mean, on paper, yeah. Do we have the equipment that can do that? Do we know that we don't punch the side of a uh, of the old magma vault and it doesn't cause water hose of magma? Uh, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> cause like a leak lava. on the outside and <laughs> sets off a volcano someplace else. Yeah, changing the pressure in the magma chamber you'd think was you know because you start to feel the earth move before a volcano yeah you know our luck we're messing around with stuff and this is like popping a pimple on the uh, face of earth and it explodes someplace else out there and we set off the old uh one the giant volcanoes in the middle of yellowstone and destroy half the u.s (laughs) it's gonna happen someday but i it's i have never heard of it of of tapping into a volcano and using you know, it's just a thing that happens. It erupts. You get more land out of the deal, which is good. Uh, but whatever it has to pour over is going to be completely destroyed. Um, but I just think the logistics of because you also have to you have to be able to get into the chamber, but not actually release the magma because then it gets too hot for the equipment. You just melt everything. Yeah. So you're just trying to tap into that latent heat that's at the top of yes, it. Yes. Yes. Latent heat. Not the not the, you know, boiling hot. Yeah. Let's get into some remarks. Wanna? Yes. From the Florida Man radio app. And powered by Morris Family Farms and Organic Meats. The app is uh, your key to a wonderland of entertainment and uh, archives, which are under the podcast heading. You can listen to the Orlando feed or the Fort Walton Beach feed. A couple of, you know, we have different, uh, a couple of different shows. Uh, down at the bottom, there's a microphone button. For your convenience, let me adjust my volume. Here we go. You know, Shannon, I hate to say that I agree with the sentiment of some of those Democrats, but I do. Now, I'm not in favor of just indiscriminate bombing, you know, without uh, just cause. Okay, but for for that particular group of Democrats to come forth and raise so much cane about this, that makes me even more curious. To me, it's like uh, that's their partners. That's that's their cohort. Right. And they don't want their partners in crime to be bombed. And I'm sorry. That's just the way I see it. It is, it is shocking to me. <clears throat> I mean, you know that uh, Rashida Tlaib is of Palestinian descent, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what's her name? Omar. Uh, Elon Omar. Elon Omar. 
Somalian. They're Muslim people. They gotta, maybe they are feeling like they have to represent their uh, Muslims wherever they are. But, and I get that maybe that's your heritage, but you're an American. And those Muslim people shot missiles at uh, your, the United States military. Uh, and so we're going to shoot back. It doesn't matter. You're bombing brown people. Well, brown people shot at us first. Well, how about this? We get a, a Muslim guy on the boat there to, to launch one of our, uh, or a, a Muslim pilot to fly over. And a brown person can give it back to him. Since 1980 to 92, we had a 12-year war against drugs. Then Clinton comes in and goes to Afghanistan for the uh, opium fields. Though not one field got blown up, but Colombia and Mexico that we cleared out of the cocaine during the first 12 years of the Bush administration. Okay, that's wildly off topic. Did we Were we talking about drugs at all? Mm, a little bit with the border stuff. So, yeah, kind of. All right, I'll give him that one. Uh, opium fields. Though not Mexico that we cleared out of the cocaine during the first 12 years of the Bush administration, we did bring back poppies to grow there, so we no longer had to deal with the Middle East to get our heroin for our medical use. Stay tuned for page two. Oh, boy. I see the Austin thing in a different way. Maybe he was the one who didn't want to go retaliate the whole time, but then they took advantage of him being in the hospital to finally retaliate. And he had to agree with it so he could keep his job. Hmm. Good part two. Once we got to Afghanistan, then we had to go back to Iraq again. And now we're back here under the same stands again. Another Democrat, another politician, no matter they're both after democracy and not a republic. Okay. What we've been seeing is a replay. Or is it, does anybody pay attention? Okay, thank you, Sam. Close bass, Texas, Florida, man. Hell yeah, Governor Abbott. You get down there and you do what you got to do, brother. Enforce that law. Time to stop this corrupt administration from pulling off some kind of shenanigans we're tired of their stuff. We're going to take this country back. Look out, boys. Let's go. Beat I mean, beat. it is kind of a renegade move for a governor to do. Uh, and it, uh, you know, what happens if the governor refuses to allow feds into the area? And he shuts down that part of the border. I mean, they, under their uh, Texas state constitution, have that right. So you're... You're call, you're gonna start having some issues, which we've had issues before in the history of our country. Yeah, dude, DEI is a weapon. It's nothing more, nothing less. It is another weapon in the arsenal of these anti-American zealots who are determined to tear this country down from within. That's all it is. It accomplishes absolutely nothing. It makes everything worse wherever it's implemented. And the quicker that people realize that there that it is nothing more than a weapon, the better off we'll be. Uh, a weapon of mass destruction, I would do, I would say. 
Hey guys, Ryan from Orlando is listening to you talk about these DAI and colleges and how they should be giving scholarships instead. The funny thing is, is that I'm certain that these people that they're hiring for these positions, um, they're probably just an additional employee, not like they're letting other people go. They would just be creating new departments and adding new people. So guess who's going to spend the money to pay for these new people? Oh, the students with increased tuition. Be do, be do. They are all new positions. Every one of them is a new position. Paying a buck and a quarter a year. The insurance companies don't want to insure people in South Texas. It's kind of like in Florida. They don't want to insure people because of hurricanes. I think it's like a new natural disaster down there in South Texas. It's a Sinaloa tsunami. (laughs) And it's year-round, baby. They said it's because of climate change, so that's why it's so bad this year. So everybody remembers Michael Avenatti. What the hell was that in the Stormy Daniels deal? Let's do it again. Rinse and repeat. That's a Democratic thing. What's he talking about? Michael Avenatti and Stormy. Uh, he, he represented her, then he took money from her, yeah, then exposed and a wider jail. fraud for trying to uh, uh, extort money out of Nike. And Yeah, I, I could see the line he's going for there. He had a client that ended up in a wheelchair for an accident. He sued, got him a, bit, a ton of money, only gave the guy like a third of it. Real scumbag. They used to remember they, they oohed and awed over him on the on the view like oh my god Michael oh he's gonna run he's gonna run for president. <laughs> Potato Head said that too. I notice you keep saying that the ride for Israel will have plenty of uh, security. It's pretty sad that we have to say that, but uh, I plan on going out there and uh, having a good time. Not for the ride, but for the uh, cultural food gathering later cool afterward thanks guys well uh, you know people are uh, people are, uh, that's a, their first a you're riding with people from decision tactical so i would say 95 percent are carrying and you're surrounded by police officers yeah so. i think he took that the wrong way and that that like you need security because it's an israeli event it's a secure ride because it's 400 uh bikers on the road at the same time they start shutting down roads and things like that it's a safe ride for the bikers out there not so much that they, they're afraid of somebody going out there and doing anything. I did hear snipers mentioned earlier. Well, it's decision tactical. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, the birth rates, um, my neighbors uh, across the way over there, what? they have a one-bedroom apartment and they have six kids. And they're yeah, obviously they're Hispanic. They they do breed really well. I had two kids. I was done. I was. What out. are you doing, dude? So maybe wow. that's it. what is going on in the background? Is he weeding his garden? What? I think yeah, maybe it does sound like maybe he was having a walk. He was out uh, taking a walk. <laughs> Not only does white people have to be all lowercase, it's got to be the smallest font. And the most boring text available. <laughs> Everyone knows that when you write white, you got to put it in Comic Sans. So yes, black is copper plate gothic. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, guys, best thing about uh, lowering your standards for Valentine's Day is, hey, you know, say you find yourself a woman with only one leg, <laughs> she's that much easier to sweep off her foot. Be-do-be-do. <laughs> I tell y'all what, if I paid to take Hillary Clinton's class at Columbia University, I'd want to know how to sabotage my coworkers. I'd want to know how to frame them for crimes, you know, just to move up the corporate ladder. Yeah. Ask her about she could describe uh, her favorite method of Arkansas. <laughs> Man, I am so glad I wore my blue underwear today so that all these children getting sex trafficked know I got their back. Oh, and as far as Apple goes, uh, I don't really care so much about the ageism thing, but uh, how many DEI hires do they have? That's what I really want to know. That's what concerns me. Beedoo, beedoo. Happy Friday. You can bet they have their share and some more. Oh. Federal politicians not only screw the taxpayer while in office, but they all also screw the taxpayer when they're employed to teach at public universities. Guess who fits the bill for crooked politicians who teach one class a week, one hour a day for $200,000? Yeah, didn't uh, uh, Liz Warren get four hundred grand a year to not teach a? Course? Yeah, I mean, I think Biden got paid a bunch of money too, and he never showed up. Never for, showed up once for a class. Hey, Shannon, if I bring my Honda Ruckus up there for the ride on Sunday, please don't make fun of me. I dig the little Ruckus, man. They're cool as hell. As long as the street legal, you'd be surrounded by cops. <laughs> 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 you know, they won't let you. you know. Ditch your weed, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Abraham, Abraham, let me get this right, Abraham. Hillary is an Abraham, warm and Abraham, cuddly individual. Well, Shannon, Abraham, I'm shocked. I don't see how it's Abraham, possible that a nasty, smelly, evil, wretched wrench from the, Abraham, the depths of hell <laughs> Abraham, could be referred to as Abraham, standoffish. Imagine how all the people she had killed Abraham, will feel about this. <laughs> she turns an Audi Abraham, into an innie. Abraham, God bless. What's up, boys? Colin Atlanta. Yeah, I bet that that uh, guy that was released from prison for war duty in Russia will pull a Schweiger from Inglorious Bastards. He was the character that was uh, that that was a German soldier that killed a bunch of German officials. He'll probably end up on Ukraine lines, killing a bunch of Russian officials. That'd be pretty cool. Bitty bitty. I don't see how they're going to drill into the side of a volcano with Bruce Willis in the condition he is in. I mean, how's he going to do it? Who are they going to get to do it? It's true. And Michael Clark Duncan sadly passed away, too. That's so. right. It is against the law, the Constitution. He dropped bombs. Even though we're all glad it happened, at the same time, we have no law and order in our country First and foremost, the president cannot drop bombs anywhere without Congress agreeing. He broke the law. He should have handcuffs on right now. Secretary of Defense is hospitalized. Backup is nowhere to be found. We are in rumble. <laughs> in rumble? Is that like, uh, is that like the uh, almost to war? 
Yeah, we're in Rumble. We're in Royal Rumble right now. We got to make it to Survivor Series and then WrestleMania. I remember Trump uh, launched a bunch of tomahawks at some uh, airstrips in Yemen, I believe. Or yeah. uh, technically, he could get away with it because we do have clause that allows the president to uh, react to actions by a foreign entity, which they have by allowing because we let them go for uh, almost uh, four weeks now of them chucking bombs at yeah. our at our cruisers right. and then we can theoretically we don't have to go ask congress now if we were to put boots on the ground and stuff like that that's we have to go directly do that i swear i thought that was Rand paul that left that very first remark <laughs> where is listen people guy to tell us what we should have done in a very condescending manner <laughs> yeah, I, that is a mystery yeah. i have no idea Hey, Shannon. We had to stop work today around 12 because it's pouring down rain here in Georgia. I mean, it's not a sunny day, but I swore I seen a fish swimming down the street. Was that crunching leaves? A rustling onion paper? Oh, no. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I went down to Miami and saw fish from the ocean swimming in the streets on a sunny day. True. Uh, when we return, it's time to get dark. It's Friday. It's Friday. We're going to have a little fun. I know everybody's poor right now. The Bidenomics is working so great. But I will tell you some things that historically you've been able to buy for a dollar. And boy, were they successful in the long run. Really? Yep. All right. Uh, also, if, you're, if you needed to know, the kids had a great time at the first meeting of the Satanic Club. In Tennessee Public Elementary School. I mean, they colored in pictures of Baphomet. It's very great. <laughs> All right, hang on. It's the Shannon Burke Show uh, on the Florida Man Radio Network. WFYY HD3 Windermere. WXUS HD3. W266DY Donellan. WZLB Valparaiso. Florida Man Radio. like the, uh, they're not moving the Steelers-Buffalo game and the Bills, what do they call themselves? Bills Mafia? Mafia. They're calling for volunteers to the stadium. They have an elaborate way they, they do the, the snow there. And they, they set up like slot. All the stairs are covered with a, uh, or one, like every other one is covered with some type of slide material. And they shovel it out of, the, out of the, the seats and little walkways onto that, and they slide down to the field. And then, they... and the field's got heaters usually. I think, man, and that that's, that they could it could snow again. Yeah, I mean, it could be game time still snowing there. Right now, though, I mean, if you saw the pictures, it's probably got to be a good what three, four feet deep yes. at least. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if you had to depend. I mean, I'm sure they have some staff out there, right? Yeah, but you want to get if you get a bunch of fans out there and you say, "Oh, we're gonna let you get in the stadium and play on the field," but you gotta scoop some stuff out of there, so right. they'll get to do it for free. They'll they probably all give them like a, a shirt or something like that. How about a, how about a ticket to the game? No, no, the playoff ticket game. Get out of here! I'm shoveling snow on my day off for the love of Pete. <laughs> You're doing it for the love of your team. How about uh, a, a couple of cold ones? Maybe. Open up one of those coolers. There's barley a Bud Light cooler over there still pretty stock. <laughs> wow, that is something else. And it's going to be cold as hell. <clears throat> where uh, Where else? Oh, in Kansas the, City. Oh, Kansas City. 
Not in Dallas, though. Lids closed. It's cold outside there. Yeah, the parking lot's going to be it's uh, gonna, tailgate. It's going to be cold. It's going to be really cold. But once you get in there, Jerry got the heater on for you and the, the lids closed. And <laughs> it's going to be nice. Uh, the Satanic Temple <clears throat> said they had, kids had a great time. The Tennessee Elementary School After School Satan Club. Kids really enjoy themselves. Uh, it's run by the Satanic Temple. Chimney Rock Elementary School angered some members of the community. They had some protests, uh, and uh, they 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 you know they they won, and the kiddos had a great time. They didn't say what they did. Um, do is you're talking elementary school? Yes. It's kind of, uh, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd rather him have a, an available optional satanic club to go to instead of be able to, you know, after school uh, gender therapy. Uh, according to uh, activities promoted by the club include science projects, community service projects, puzzles and games, nature activities, arts, crafts, and snacks. When does When does the Satan come into it? Oh, it's all part of it. What do you mean? Well, those are Satan jello shots and uh I mean do they say, Hey kids, Satan is our friend, Satan's our buddy, uh let's call her. Now according to their flyer, they say that they, they view Satan as a literary figure who represents a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny and championing the human mind and spirit. Oh, for the love of peace. After school Satan Club does not attempt to convert children to any religious ideology. Instead the Satanic Temple supports children to think themselves or to think for themselves. All after-school Satan clubs emphasize a scientific, rationalist, non-superstitious worldview. All right. But where's the, I mean, do they have a symbol of Satan? Yes, they do. Okay. Like a little cartoon, Baphomet type of looking symbol on the. Uh, an evil looking uh, Satan? They, they got them kind of like uh, more cartooned up. Oh, yeah, like a, like the Cleveland Indians uh, uh, logo? Actually, I'll show This is what it the flyer looks like for him. Well, that's like a Felix the Cat Satan. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> hey, kids, it's me, Satan. Well, I mean, I, they, they also don't report how many kids are in the club. You know? How many kids are going to go? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm... I mean, it's really all... Uh, they realize that the... The most of America, most of the world sees Satan as an evil figure. Yes, they like the controversy out of it. They're the whole bogusness of, oh, we just want to use it as a symbol of, uh, uh, you know, uh, where it's against science, it's scientific uh, discovery and stuff like that. No, they know that they get a rise out of everybody in the area. They get a little more people talking about it. Uh, the people that are uh, anti-religion throw a couple bucks, a couple donations their way. Yeah. That's how they get away, or get around it. There's no, uh, the whole thing about, well, we just want to teach your kids about scientific knowledge. Okay, well, then you can be the, uh, the Einstein after-school <clears throat> club and be just fine. A symbol of rejecting tyrannical authority and fighting against injustice. Um, I mean, okay, is there a satanic temple? Yes. A temple implies... There's some worship going on, right? Yes, but I think, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they've made sure to keep themselves always, they pay taxes so they don't get, oh, they don't, so they, they they're don't get not a tax exempt. Oh, okay. yeah. 
So there's a place, a, t- a, a, a church-like temple. They more like move around. They have spaghetti night on Friday or cookouts there. Uh, or... Evil bingo. <laughs> uh, it just sounds like they need it. They want attention. It is. That's all it is for the most part. I bet there's not, enough, not as much money in that as there is in a real good Christian church. <laughs> no. <laughs> good Christian church knows how to get your money. That's right. They don't spend their waste their time talking about Satan either. Uh, Jared Leto is apparently apparently a dick. That's no surprise. Yeah, I would I would I would think. I mean, <clears throat> I mean the guys, you know, every woman would throw themselves at him. Uh, comedian Mae Martin on a podcast had, recalled a, an awkward night out uh, at a fancy restaurant, a fancy Hollywood function. Uh, she said, I, think I went to an event where Jared Leto was there at the same table, and uh, he was sitting across from me in a vibe. Sold to, he was like a cult leader. He was in his shades. He had long hair. Uh, there was uh, an amazing chef, a Michelin star chef there. The food was amazing. So out comes the chef, and at one point, he comes to our table and says, I hope you're enjoying the meal. And Jared Leto goes, I'm not going to eat it. And he had a very specific reason. He said, yeah, because I got food poisoning at one of these things once. Why would he even go out to them at that point? <clears throat> right. And the Michelin star chef said, sure, I assure you, you're not going to get food poisoning from my food. But he wasn't convinced. He reached in his jacket. He pulled out a power bar, an energy bar. And he said, that's why he always brings these. He opens it and starts eating it right in front of the chef. Yeah. That's a, that's a dick. Dick move. The fact that he had a power bar on him and he waited till the chef came out. Yeah. Like, he wasn't snacking on the power bar the whole time. The fact that he allowed them to put a plate of food in front of him instead of saying, no, no, I'm not having any. And, have, you know, have the guy take it away. No, Man. thank you. I'd rather not. I'm going to have my power bar. Do you know what I am? Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get dark. Yes, let's do that. It's disturbing history with EZ. There's a lot of history out there. Some of it isn't in the books. Uh, I know it's dark right now. The economy is, well, it's teetering. Yes. It's expensive when you go to the grocery store. Yes. My God, is it expensive to go to the grocery store? Yes, it is. The other day I went and got some shampoo, some body wash, so uh, a couple things I needed for dinner and like a 12 pack of of like Pepsi Zero. It was like $70. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. <sighs> it's killing me. But there is a light at the end of all this darkness because apparently throughout history, sometimes a dollar will get you uh, a fortune. And you too could purchase something not knowing the riches that could be ahead of you for just a, a single dollar. And we'll start with... A fountain drink. A fountain drink. 1886, the Coca-Cola Company comes into existence when Dr. John S. Pemberton, he had a curiosity to create a flavored drink that really was actually looking for kind of a medicine, medicinal thing, but uh, yeah. he also got it to was like, man, this tastes pretty good, and I love the cocaine in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he let him do a discover a tasty drink that's popular all over the world today. What many people don't know is that for many years, it was only available as a fountain drink and how it should still probably be because that's when it's at its flavor best. It really is. It's a difference of day and night, man. Well, Pemberton agrees with you. He was convinced that this was the oh, this was the best and only way to really enjoy the drink. 
Pemberton, though, would eventually sell Coca-Cola. And the person who purchased it, uh, the majority stake was one Asa G. Candler. Candler had a business-savvy nephew who advised him that maybe you should start selling this in bottles and not just in soda shops. Candler turned down the idea, and it stuck to Pemberton's original notion of making Coca-Cola a fountain drink only. So later down the line, when Candler was approached by a businessman who was interested in bottling Coca-Cola, he was convinced that it was a terrible idea. It was dead on arrival, would never make any money. So he sold the bottling rights for $1, and he never collected the $1. And of course, the history today is that today Coca-Cola Company is listed on the New York Stock Exchange and is the most commonly sold bottle or can soda. Coca-Cola Bottling Company. Mm-hmm. Wow. For a dollar that he never actually even paid out. Have you ever been to the Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta? No, I've always wanted oh to Oh, my there. God. That's awesome. If you are a fan of soda or history, it's a cool place. Uh, Newsweek. It's weird. It's a giant, beautiful, like, billion-dollar facility celebrating a sugary drink that rots our teeth and makes mm-hmm. our kids obese. And also is paid, uh, powered from slave labor That's now. That's right. <laughs> I love it, though. Uh, Newsweek. American Weekly News Magazine. The magazine was acquired by the Washington Post Company in 1961. It remained its portfolio until 2010. However, revenue decline made the Washington Post Company choose to sell it, specifically to one Sidney Harmon. It was sold for $1 on the condition that Harmon would take on the magazine's liabilities. And much to WAPO's dismay, the news, uh, Newsweek actually currently became one of the largest news magazines out there. Yeah. Now they're struggling now. This is a little older on what they're talking about that. But, yep, yeah, $1. Wow. Now. I think there was like $25 million worth of debt behind it, but $1 transfer. I think they made a profit off of it after a little while, though. So that's it. All it takes is $1. A dollar. I thought we were talking about like how you get two tacos for a dollar. No, no. (laughs) This is a good value. This is great value on YouTube. For a single dollar, someone else made billions. And especially on this one, insulin. First discovered by Sir Frederick G. Banting at the University of Toronto in 1921, was later purified by James P. Collip, and remains one of the greatest medical breakthroughs in history, as millions of lives can be saved by the discovery, and it also triggered discoveries related to treating the illness of diabetes. January 11, 1922, insulin was first used to treat a person with diabetes with remarkable results. Frederick Banting refused to put his name on the patent because he felt it was unethical for a doctor to profit from a medical discovery wow. that could potentially save mm-hmm. lives as this would reduce the number of people who would have access to the treatment. My God, I wish there were more doctors like him after I just dropped $500 in medication today. Yeah. yeah. Good Lord. Banty's co-inventors, James Collop and Charles Best, sold the insulin patent to the University of Toronto for a mere $1. Wow. The irony of the situation is that Banty, Collop, and Best would be turning over their graves as as their intention did not play out the way they wanted to. Insulin today is costly, leading some diabetic patients to reduce or skip doses because of the cost. University of Toronto sold it for a much larger profit. I'm pretty sure they did, yeah. James Cameron. Arguably be the world's most iconic director. If you enjoy Terminator. Titanic. Avatar. Titanic. All the other movies. His his documentaries about him poking around inside the Titanic. Yeah. But it wasn't always like that for them. There was a time when James Cameron was an unknown movie director, and nobody would stake much money in him. Cameron wanted an investor who would produce his movie, a sci-fi flick about a robot sent from the future to kill the future leader of man, 
the Terminator. But since no one would take a chance on him, he sold the rights to the movie for $1. Wow. On the condition that anyone who bought it, the movie rights would allow him to be the director. Ah. What's amazing about this particular sale is that some other studios loved the idea of Terminator and were willing to pay a reasonable amount of money for the script, but none of them wanted James Cameron as the director. Cameron eventually uh, found a script, uh, found a studio that agreed to his term. The movie was made in 1984, still popular today. And to cap it all, got rides at the Universal. Yep, there. Cameron went on to become a successful movie director, Very one of the successful. richest directors right now, currently. Billionaire, I think. Isn't oh he? yeah, he's up there. And the ride from Universal's gone. Oh, is it? Yeah, they replaced it with a Born Identity thing a couple years ago. Oh, they got a Born Identity ride? Mm-hmm. It's not a ride, it's a... Experience? Yeah. Same that Tor- Terminator was a 3D experiment experience. Yeah? It's the same. It's Born Identity show kind of thing. Hmm. It's kind of fun. If you get a chance to go out there, I'm watch it. I'm a big fan of Born fun. Identity. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool little show. Lots right. of stunts and explosions. I hate the there. parks, though. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only they would let us in there after dark. I mean, once you park... You're not even you're not you're not even near <laughs> the start of your day. Walk, you know, yeah. it's just... <laughs> the way that yeah, the Universal parking is now, it's uh, oh. you're about a mile and a half walk just to get to the front of the gates. TV Guide magazine, not something you think about too much anymore. No, but it was always uh, uh, my mom would always get it at the uh, if you could subscribe to it, I think, and it also it was at came the, in the weekend, like the Sunday paper. A lot of times, it yeah, came or you could buy. The one at the, the at the grocery stand, mm-hmm. right next to the Enquirer. You ever be like, "Hey, give me, give me the guide." Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I consulted it. We would, we, you know, the stuff <laughs> we didn't know regularly. We we look through it, and see what's coming up. You know. Uh, well, of course, the sale of the TV Guide magazine is another surprising occurrence in the world of notable items that were sold for a dollar. Uh, this was exactly how much Open Gate Capital acquired the business from Macrovision. Exactly one dollar. Ironically, at the time of the sale, the cost of one magazine issue was two ninety nine. Yet the entire business was sold for a dollar, which is less than half the price of one magazine. In fact, Macrovision also loaned Open Capital the sum of $9.5 million to actually hit the ground running selling it. Wow. Yeah, they had some issues going on there. Man. We're going to give you this for a dollar, and here's $9.5 million for you to fix it. Yeah, exactly. Basically what it was, because they were having some other issues and sales and things like that. So we were like, all right, uh, you take on all the debt and everything. We'll even throw nine and a half million dollars. Now the sale for where it is only a dollar, but, uh, you know, get off. That's a bit of headache. Before he became the one of the most annoying people in X because he hates Trump so, so much. And he's right up there with George Decay and all the others. So on. And Stephen King. Yeah. He used to run a program called the Dollar Baby Program, which was an arraignment that the American author Stephen King granted permission to students and aspiring filmmakers or theater producers to adapt one of his short stories for only a dollar. There are, however, a couple stipulations. One of the stipulations of the film cannot be more than 45 minutes long, cannot be distributed to anyone without King's consent unless it's for a nonprofit film festival or a school project. Uh, King sees Dollar Baby program, uh, the Dollar Baby program, as a way to assist the creative industry. So he would, you can go through his catalog of short stories. It couldn't be any of the stuff that stuff that he already sold the rights to, the Cujos, the uh, right. uh, Carries, all those things. But <clears throat> all of his short stories, you could go and make a movie with his for a buck. You pay him a buck. You pay him a buck. And you say, hey, I want to take one of your short stories. I'm going to make a short film. Now, again, you couldn't profit off of it anyway. Uh, unless he gave you permission. So you would have to send it to him, and he would say, okay, hey, it's yeah. a big hit, man. Uh, they wanted a Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, All right, you can do it by 90% of the proceeds. Now, it could never be more than 45 minutes long. You're only really using that as a demo because a 45-minute long movie, you're not selling that anywhere. No. So it was more a, uh, uh, for more film students, uh, basically they could take a project that was already fleshed out and you can make a movie out of it. Show off how your skills in movie making without having to have a script that you tried to make that is horribly written and you have no idea. Even though Stephen King himself has a terrible job writing dialogue and he's actually a terrible director himself as well. Oh, damn. Uh, One of the notable people who have benefited from the Dollar Baby program is French-born American filmmaker Frank Darabont. Name sounds familiar. He was 20 years old when he made his Dollar Baby adaption, The Woman in the Room. It was eventually released in 1986 on a VHS uh, by Granite Entertainment Group Interglobal Home Video as part of Stephen King's Night Shift collection. He later went on to write adapt, uh, adaptations and directed three feature films based on Stephen King's knowledge, novels, The Mist, The Green Mile, and uh, The Shawshank Redemption. The latter two films were nominated for multiple Academy Awards, including Best Picture, the Dollar Baby program that was disbanded on December 1st, 2023. Oh, yeah? Because a dirty MAGA student could get a hold of one of his films. Ah. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> that just sounds like something he would yeah, say. Yeah, it does. It does. The scientists of the Met Lab had the technical expertise to design a production pile for the Manhattan Project. But construction management on industrial scale required an outside contractor. Specifically, they needed one that had the expertise to carry out the enrichment of plutonium on the scale of creating the Manhattan Project. So the DuPont Company was the natural choice. At the outbreak of World War II, the company was one of the nation's largest and most experienced industrial organizations. The problem was kind of simple, though. The co- DuPont as a company was still reeling from the scandal caused by allegations that it profit- profited off of World War I. They yeah, did. Yeah, they did. Uh, seeing that another allegation would not be good for its image, the DuPont company agreed to be the primary contractor for the plutonium-related work, but the company would not receive more than $1 for every one of the services it rendered. By doing this, history would be kind to the company, as that they were only being patriotic and not making a lot of money on the other side of it because they got a lot of military contracts after that as well still. Mm. There's a thing called Fiverr. Have you seen that? It's like a people can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you call them up and say, "Hey, I need a uh, logo designed, or I need a." They'll find something to do it for five bucks. Clip. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Ruth Graves with Wakefield. She was a chef best known for inventing one of the most iconic desserts in American history. Let me guess. Uh, uh, iconic dessert, uh, tiramisu. American. Oh, uh, uh. Strawberry shortcake. Mm, no, you're thinking too big. Oh. Uh, ice cream. No, not ice cream. Uh, cake. No, no, the chocolate chip cookie. Oh, really? Yep. Wakefield was born in 1903. <clears throat> she was a college-educated chef, dietitian, teacher, business owner, and cookbook author. Wakefield and her husband opened a tourist lodge called the Toll House Inn, I where see. she cooked all her food served at the inn. Ruth quickly gained a reputation for herself for her innovative and uniquely delicious desserts. Wakefield accidentally actually made chocolate chip cookies. Accidentally? Mm-hmm. And that was the birth of the much-loved recipe. The chocolate chip cookie popularity skyrocketed during World War II when soldiers stationed overseas received them and shared packages containing the treat on the inside. Wakefield gave Nestle the rights to her recipe for just a dollar and a lifetime supply of Nestle chocolate. She gave who the recipe? Nestle. If they gave her a lifetime supply for a dollar, who and needed, I mean, you couldn't figure out how to make a, cho- a chocolate chip cookie. I mean, she had the recipe for it. She got it set. 
So you put chocolate chips. Did they make the little chips back then in those days? Uh, you cut your own. Uh, you know, you would get a big bar of chocolate and oh, you yeah. mash it up That's and things why they like that. that. Yeah. yeah, squirting those things out. That was a big hit. My mom always had those in the cupboard. So when you think of a house for sale for a dollar, you're thinking probably like a POS. Yeah. Well, there is a real two bedroom house. That was sold in Chicago. The owner of the house has remained the same since at least 1990, and ownership did not change hands until the owner was hit with foreclosure suit in 2010. The outcome of the suit is that the bank repossessed the house. This was again in the process that led to the house being sold for $1. Chicago was not only a city hit by the housing bust of 2010. At the same time, at around the same time, Detroit had the same problem. The situation in Detroit was worsened by the fact the city had been steady declining in the 1960s. By the time the mortgage crisis hit, it was like a lightning match uh, stuck close to a cake of powder, and many, many houses were sold for a dollar because yeah. uh, basically banks wanted out of those pieces of junk that right. they worked at time to try to take over. And finally, we'll end up with one of the biggest franchises of all time. To come from a dollar? Well, part of it. When you think of a franchise that's big in movies, TV, video games, merchandise. Star Wars. Of course, Star Wars. Star Wars franchise includes movies, cartoons, books, television series, comic books, theme park attractions, and the merchandise that has estimated a value of $70 billion. Oof. It all began, of course, with the hit film in 1997. 1977, excuse me. Yeah. But quickly snowballed into a worldwide pop culture phenomenon and is one of the highest grossing media franchises of all time. Star Wars franchise made its creator, George Lucas, a very rich man. It also made Disney richer and Ruined. They ruined. Yeah, they totally destroyed. It's awful. It's terrible right now. Uh, 1983, though, the NPR, National National Public Radio, wanted to turn Star Wars into a radio drama, which are big. They've come back. Yeah, they're actually. I like great. them. I love the, the I like podcast them. ones that I have. I listen to them all the time. They're great. Uh, it's approached by George Lucas for the rights. Lucas, of course, was a fan of NPR because he is a little bit of a uh, liberal yeah. fellow himself, and he quickly gave out the right for one dollar. When you consider the worth of the franchise. It's not difficult to come to the conclusion that this may have been the most expensive thing ever traded for a single dollar when you think of the rights. They have the rights to Star Wars. The radio rights. The radio radio rights. They have the radio rights still. Uh, I don't know if they do anymore. I think Disney probably did. (laughs) That 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 does not transfer. No, it does not. Yep. Wow. Uh, When we return... um, I'll give you that eBay story. Um, a Florida man swears. Oh, he look. He admits that. Okay, I was in front of the window in my house uh, without pants, masturbating. Okay, but I did not knock on the window so that lady walking her dog saw my penis. Hang on, it's the Shannon Burke show on the Florida Man Radio Network. We all make promises. Big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you are in need. To be considerate and caring. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. Elderly Florida man, 78-year-old James Martin, according to an arrest report. A victim 
told officers that James knocked on his window and appeared to be trying to get their attention when they went to look out the window. The subject began vigorously masturbating. Vigorously. Is there any any other? I mean, you could, you know, I guess, you know, take it slow, but... Mm -hmm. The victim was able to observe the subject's penis as well as able to identify the color of his pubic hair, stating indeed that it was dark brown. I don't know why when it comes to these type of things, the police reports are always hilarious when they try to write them out uh, yeah. with a straight face. <laughs> the, because they, they, the guy goes, uh, oh, man, I didn't uh, have my pants all oh, yeah. Uh, do you have brown pubic hair? Mm-hmm. The- uh, yes, I do. Well... <laughs> The victim observed you vigorously masturbating with your brown pubic hair. Well, they got me. Yeah. Well, he did say, yeah. Okay. I was uh, masturbating like any guy does, 78-year-old dude would do in his privacy of his own home. As these creeps were spying on me, pleasuring myself in the privacy of my own home. He denied knocking on the window. The window is 50 feet from the street. He was seen from the private premise of another. And the action occurred in a lewd and vulgar manner. Was it, is it the, the vigorousness of, of the action that made it rude and vulgar? I mean, had he, was he making, if he had made me make it slow, you know, you know, Pleasurable love to himself. Yeah, what's the, if he, uh, is it more the fact that he, like, tried to get eye contact out of you? That's why he's banging <laughs> on the window? Like, if he had just been staring out at the birds, you were okay with it, but the fact that he knocked on the window to get your attention? That's a weird thing, especially for a 78-year-old dude. Hey, what else he got to do? Um, He uh, was charged with indecent exposure. Sir, were you vigorously masturbating? <laughs> vigorously. <laughs> uh, no, I was uh, slow and sensual yeah. Uh, yeah. in the privacy of my own home. Uh, I would call it uh, more of a feverishly, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, an accidental knocking upon the window. Uh, I rap rapped with my fingers by accident. <laughs> God. Uh, um, this is a... One year I want to go to this thing. The um, What's the electronics show? In CES. CES. They have all kind of new gadgets there. Um, and one of the hottest things on the market right now is through in apps. It used to be machines you bought for your nightstand and it played an ocean or uh, birds or, you know, something uh, to help you sleep. Rain. Now this gadget... Uh, you it, it it's on your forehead and it will analyze your brain waves and create a custom music track that it claims will put you right to sleep and, and and improve your sleep so the way i understand it is it 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 somehow detects your brain waves from something you put on your forehead i don't know i didn't know that was possible maybe it is and Using your own brain activity, which is like a unique fingerprint, 
makes a sound like a symphony, but you hear it in your brain, in your head. Yeah, it's Where, is there brain. a speaker somewhere? Or? Yeah, I think so. I think it's got it. It's taking the brain waves you have, and if you've ever seen it, it looks a lot like a sound wave, and they're just taking those and turning them into sound waves. And so, uh, first, the uh, user needs to spend one night with the My Waves Pebble device attached to their forehead. This then records the brain wave. In the deepest of sleep, and in turn converts it into three music tracks that mimic the waves. <laughs> Sounds like an orchestra playing a thousand instruments, uh, and it's like a warm Blade Runner style symphony. Sounds uh, super peaceful. Yeah, Blade Runner. <laughs> it's going to cost you 500 bucks. I don't know. So then you play it through some device, some gadget. What if you have a nightmare that night? You know, it's horrible. Well, imagine if your just some minds going a mile a minute before you try to go to bed, and then you pop it on, and it sounds like a Pantera concert. Pantera concert. Oh boy. There's a suburb of Dallas called Old Cliff. My cousin lives there. It's nice, but it's not completely gentrified yet. Uh, there's a church in Oak Cliff there that was experiencing a lot of break-ins. The Way Fellowship Church of Dallas. Um, and they, you know, I don't know what you steal from a church. What kind of scumbag steals from a church? They had multiple break-ins. People came in, smashed their front doors, uh, they came in and took our media equipment and we're supposed to be a, the pastor Gardner says, we're supposed to be a beacon of light and know the way, go the way and show the way we're here to stay. Oh, he's got to be a great pastor. I can see one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's already got it set to go, man. So they dipped into their coffers and bought a wrought iron church to, to, to make it more secure. And eight panels from the fence were stolen. Is there is there a recycling money in wrought iron? No, I guess I'm so. sure there is. But yeah, they buy an expensive fence to stop them from breaking in and stealing their stuff. And, and they, they just stole, stole his fence. the stinking fence. Well, he hopes that those with their dirty hands will be convicted by a higher power. Oh, I bet you he had a fiery speech that weekend, too, about that. <laughs> You hooligans that continue to steal from the Lord. You'll all be burned in hell. Um, <clears throat> there is a, you want to stay away from it, a town in Louisiana, very small town, of only 225 people. The mayor of this town and, and whatever police force they have have handed out a million dollars in traffic tickets in a year. Then they, you get a traffic ticket in this town and you go to court, right? Mm -hmm. Guess who the judge is? The mayor. That was gonna be the it was that was gonna be the only officer that's given out tickets. <laughs> yeah. Audio inside a tense staff meeting. Before you go, by the end of, by the end of this morning there's gonna be some layoff. 
led by a Louisiana mayor who refuses to answer our questions in an interview. Mr. Mayor, how are you? Lee Zurich. We talked on the phone. How you doing? This mayor is also a judge without a law degree. He has little, if any, training to run a courtroom. There's no accountability, Lee. And it happens because the state of Louisiana allows it. Only Louisiana and Ohio have this unique and little-known legal system. The fines and fees that run through mayor's court essentially run the town. In the last year reviewed by auditors, more than 90% of the village of Fenton's revenue, $1.3 million, was collected from fines and fees. The vast majority from traffic tickets. 90-plus percent of their town budget village budget is from tickets from people like so you. of course they're gonna they're gonna give people tickets because what they get revenue from it mm-hmm. and it's not fair Mayor, we, we, we you told us you would do an interview with us though mr. mayor you told me on the phone that you would do an interview with the phone that he he wears a robe and the whole I mean the whole deal nah, the speeding traps are worth it 1.3 million a year I know Stark, Waldo, those areas up there outside of Gainesville used to, you knew. Columbia County. Slow down when you go through there. I got, when I was going back and forth to Atlanta, I, I got a ticket, three tickets <laughs> the first year in Columbia County, Florida by the same trooper. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it, you know it when you, when you see the same guy, he's like, yeah, the, how's well, it going? The last one, he's like, man, he said, don't you know? I sit right up there in the, in the trees right back there. I said, yeah, I'm well, pretty certain now. Because I would travel with the dogs back and forth, and they, he, he knew me. He would do an interview with us. He doesn't want to do an interview. He doesn't want to do an interview. Alfred is the elected mayor of Fenton, a small village of just 226 residents. Instead of having a traffic or municipal court, the law allows Fenton to have mayor's court, where the mayor acts as judge, jury, and even appoints his own prosecutor. I mean, 1972 United States Supreme Court ruling says defendants' rights are violated if a mayor sits on the bench, is responsible for town finances, and if the court accounts for a substantial share of the town's revenue. So how much is substantial? A court in Ohio says 10%. The Louisiana Judicial College uses that same threshold. Again, Fenton makes more than 90% of its annual revenue from court. 90%. Wow. People ought to learn not to speed in my town. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bet that's so like you, you come off of 55 mile an hour and you go through Fenton. That's at, 30. Yeah, 30 miles an hour and they nail you at 31. <laughs> Elaine Emeritus Law Professor Joel Friedman says this audio recording proves his point. Why I wouldn't drive at a September we need meeting, to write more traffic tickets. He said, we need to write more tickets. I talked to the chief yesterday. Employees, the mayor complained police weren't writing enough tickets. That's despite records showing officers wrote an average of about 16 tickets per day for a town of just 226 people. Wow. And those tickets help bring the town lots of money. The $1.3 million from fines and fees helped make Fenton's budget about five times as high as towns with similar populations. Right now, I bet the, uh, uh, what about the mayor makes? I bet you most of his salary comes out of there. Oh, hell yeah. Maybe he's got a bonus structure. <laughs> Our main income is cheap trafficking, and he ain't getting rid So that's not, that's not no good thing right there. One other. Boy, I've spoken like a real professional. That's not no good thing right there. Yes, Your Honor. 
Others like it in Louisiana has little oversight from the state, and legal experts say that allows for the potential of abuse. In Fenton, public records suggest a driver's attitude may play into whether or not they get a break when they come to court. We found tickets and court records that noted bad attitude. Very bad attitude do not help and do not fix. And refused phone number, driver was very disrespectful. No help. According to our... No help? What does that mean? Don't, don't give him a break on don't a ticket? Don't give him a break, yep. The, the wow. officers themselves were writing, this guy was mean to me. You, you give yeah. him the full. He's got a bad attitude. Made me feel bad about myself. <laughs> Fenton has the highest percentage of revenue from fines and forfeitures of any town in the entire state. But it's far from the only place with a mayor's court. The state has about 250, oh. many in small cities and towns, including some just outside of New Orleans, like Kenner, Gretna, Golden Meadow, and West Wego. We just want to ask questions about your steer town. We don't have help. More than 90% of your revenue comes from tickets. We just want to talk to you about that. Wow. Man. Well, uh, the Atlanta City Council transportation committee is set to vote on a proposal if passed the ban would the 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 ban would come into effect for downtown midtown and castleberry you can no longer make a right on a red they're gonna get so many tickets off of that too yeah and they're gonna put those ticket cameras up oh yes and they're gonna rake in the dough uh it's being Way by the city council, the supporters of the legislation say neighborhoods draw heavy uh, uh, footfall thanks to popular cultural attractions. Uh, And we've seen a they said they've seen a 50 percent increase in pedestrian deaths since 2020 and 38 pedestrians died on Atlanta streets last year. Uh, But are they from right turns on a red? Uh, Probably a good bit of them. They say when cars are allowed to turn uh, at red lights, they typically creep into the crosswalks. Drivers looking only for oncoming cars rather than pedestrians. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they throw in the whole even worse. Cars are so much bigger than they were 20 minutes ago. Uh, and all those electric vehicles are so much heavier. Yeah. Man, that is un-American. You know, they get me, they got me several times right there at Lee Road and uh, Orlando Avenue. They, they got a camera right there. So you got to stop on red. They got a sign that says stop on red. You can go after you stop. Some idiots think stop on red just means stop. Like that's, you're done for the day. Park your car. Stop right here. Uh, and they stay there till it's green. Um, but man, right on a red has, our, our, our founders are rolling over in their graves. Damn it. Um, one guy was dead in an ambulance until the ambulance hit a pothole. He suddenly came back to life and still alive today. <laughs> the food had already been laid out and uh, for his funeral. <laughs> uh. Wow, that tells me that it was in India, by the way. It tells me they didn't do a great deal of work to try to save his life. Like one hit on his chest would have brought him right back to life. (laughs) (laughs) I just love how crappy their roads are saved that person's life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you would owe owe it all to to potholes. (laughs) Look, if they drove and just say, miss that pothole, that guy would still be dead. 
Or if the city had done their job and, mm-hmm. and filled that pothole, he, that guy would be, yeah, he'd be dead. Or a lot, are almost dead in a, a coffin somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, did you see, it's really sad. Some dude's ODing and it's body foot footage, body cam footage. Uh, an organ man suffering an overdose at a hospital. Uh, he, they did treat him. He, he was showered, cleaned up. He's a street guy, drug addict, given antibiotics for infections, the holes and stuff on his legs. He received Narcan for a quote, what they're calling a mild opioid intoxication. The hospital did not order a toxicology report or a drug screening. The staff described the guy as a chronic problem. He's in there all the time. Uh, soon the doctors decided he was ready to be discharged. The security guard asked the cop there for help to put him in a, uh, uh, he was difficult, refusing to leave. The cops got there. They saw him groaning and drooling. He, he appeared to be uh, incapacitated. The police department footage shows him slumped in a hotel ch- in a hotel chair with scabs and sores all over him. There's no medical reason for him to be anymore. That's what they said. It's all behavioral. And the ER physician said he was playing possum. And the cops would just drop him off at a bus stop. One cop suggested he could die. The physician said he was medically cleared and he was faking. Two officers put the man uh, in a wheelchair and he says, do you feel comfortable with what's going on right now? The officer asked the guy. He says, no. They decided to take him to another hospital. Uh, He was in bad shape as they waited for the staff to receive him outside the hospital. Uh, He died. I mean, I get it that hospitals are, over, you know, particularly in places where, you know, uh, uh, you know, where there's an epidemic of drug use and needles and croc, crocodile or whatever that stuff is. And you see a guy six, eight, nine, ten times. You're sick and tired of seeing him. You can't do anything for him. You Narcan him and, he's, and you send him home. And at one point, you're tired of having them take up the space where somebody might be having a heart attack or, uh, you yeah. know, some other serious car accident or something. I mean, that is the unfortunate part of that whole thing is because the fact that uh, that guy has been in there so many times, there is nothing more they can do for him. Uh, right. They cleared him. They said he, he's medically cleared. Uh, we've given him all the Narcan that he can handle. Uh, but we put him back out on the street. He'll probably be back in another hour or two because he's pounded a bunch of drugs again. So, I mean, what do you do with that type of person? Do you put him in a facility? Uh, though We don't have those facilities, though. But did these doctors uh, violate their oath to do no harm? I mean, it's an ER. There's only so much they can do. Uh, most of them are trying to get you out there as fast as they can because they have 20 other patients in there. Uh, that they're going to. So they're going to pop in there. They're going to look around. They're going to say, okay, uh, this guy is as healthy as we can get him. Uh, we Us leaving him here in the hospital is not going to do any more. Uh, let's release him back out because he's going to be back in another day or so. Um, one cop said this hospital refused to readmit him. He said he's not verbal. He's not talking. He's got involuntary drool. And they're like, no, there's nothing wrong with him. State medical examiner determined he died of a drug overdose. Police officers were, were cleared of any criminal charges. At no point in the footage does the dude meaningfully respond to what's going on around him. The footage captures cops' concern and the hospital's responses and supports a conclusion 
that this guy was only placed on a, on a police hold and transported to another hospital because it became clear the hospital could not treat him any further. What do I mean they couldn't treat him any further? I mean, they've given him everything they give him. If he goes out and pops more drugs, then there's nothing more they can do for him. It sounds uh, super heartless, but sometimes they're just not saving yeah. people. No, you're right. I get it. Man, it's... Uh, I watched it. It was difficult to watch. I mean, but whose choice is it? You, you, you turn him. You say like, we want him to go into police custody, and and police are like, well, uh, they're like, what do we do with him? Take him to another hospital. Yeah. Or uh, again, there's no. I don't. Uh, I would say, how can a hospital turn down somebody? Just I just want this guy out of here. That's clearly uh, ill. Even if he's a, dr- a hopeless drug addict. Um, you, you know, but this is probably a guy that they've had in there that's cried wolf a thousand times before. Right. That they've he's gone in there. Oh, I'm ill. I'm dying. I need uh, give me uh, opioid. I need some sort of something because they've seen it a thousand times with those same people, and uh, it it's terrible because it is put a what can a hospital do? Uh, because they have seen this guy a thousand times. They're not going to give him any more drugs. They're not going to give him any more help. Uh, that has uh, at what point can they continue to say okay right. we're we're just going to keep this guy in here for for uh, yeah they, forever uh, because they, because I'm sure that they've narcaned him and got him back to uh, uh, you know a, 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 a state in which he's cognizant of what's going on that he at some point he's going to go into withdrawal because he doesn't have his drugs and he'd probably like to leave. Yeah, and they're going to have to, I mean, uh, there has to be a facility that they put them in that that's their specific job is to yeah. only uh, uh, detox these guys or uh, get these guys stable uh, because it is. Uh, do you, uh, when you have that type of moment, do you let the life of an, of two other people die because you have this guy that right. has continued <clears throat> to come in here and take up He's a doctor? He's going to kill himself and, eventually yeah. anyway, yeah. All right, uh, when we return, movie man Mike will join us. Stick around. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. WFYY HD3 Windermere. WXUS HD3. W266DY Donellan. WZLB Valparaiso. Florida Man Radio. Joins us on Fridays to uh, you know start your weekend off. You can read his reviews in Newsmax magazine at thefederalist.com and Epic Times. Mike, what, what's what's shaking, man? What's happening? Hey, dude. Yeah, it's the uh, end of a long week. I saw uh, eight movies in five days. You know, a lot and- of people hear that and they're like, "Man, that does not sound like work." Uh, he sat in uh, eight movies in a few days. He watched them and maybe made some notes and. Uh, Look, I get the same thing because, you know, I'll go meet friends in there who, you know, work, like work, work for a living. And they're and like, I'm like, man, I'm beat. And I'm like, yeah, from what? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, I understand. And I'm like, I'm not complaining. It just it's a it taps my gray matter a lot. Uh, and, and of these movies, five of them sucked bad. Oh, I see. That'd be worse. Yeah. So and there there's some stuff that. I'm going to, t- to touch on today and stuff that's not going to come out for a couple of weeks. But, you know, that's the job. I love my job. I mean, who wouldn't love this job? But it does. It does. You know, you got to pay attention. You got to take notes. You got to you're not watching it for entertainment. You're watching it for how is the quality of this? Is it entertaining? Is it original? So. Yeah. But again, it's it's a great job and I'm glad I have it. 
you're wearing the best shirt for my first I, I, I wore it for you. That's right. We have a my new Satrial's you, shirt. Satrial's shirt that I uh, sent you a while back. HBO this week on Wednesday released five hours of unseen Sopranos footage. Unseen? Unseen what? Sopranos footage. Yep. Oh so my God! All right. You, wow. It's the, it's the 25th anniversary of yeah. the Sopranos, and uh, I wasn't able to get to it because I had, you know, like eight other movies, and I plan on doing so this weekend. But five hours of unreleased stuff—that's like that's like two feature-length films worth of unreleased material. Oh man, like, I can't! I, 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 I can't wait. I wonder how they. Uh, how they do is it? Are they added on? They tell you which scenes or which episodes they came from, or I I haven't gotten to it yet. I only got the the, the press uh screener only showed up Wednesday morning because they didn't want to have reviews on it. Uh, and I understand that they don't want people giving stuff away. And the, this is not something that needs reviews. I mean, you're going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Every Sopranos fan is going to watch it. It doesn't matter what the reviews are going to be. But I think they're going to give you the option, uh, it, like, this episode has these outtakes. Or you can watch all of the outtakes together in one piece. And then you'll have a description like uh, Season 2, Episode 5, that kind of thing. Cool. So, uh, yeah, awesome. I can't wait for it. Uh, the biggest release of this week is called Mean Girls, and if that title sounds familiar, that's because they released it in 2007, and, you know, it was perfect. People think it was a chick flick, but it really wasn't. It was a teen comedy. Uh, it, it was a breakout performance for Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, and it was a great movie. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, it, it was a very funny movie. It, it covered a lot of uh, ground. And I was like, this is great. Tina Fey wrote it. She had a small part in it. And then about five, six years ago, they made a musical out of it, a Broadway musical. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad I don't live near Broadway because I have no desire to see this. And they took that and they made another one, a new movie that's based on the musical, that's based on the movie, that's based on an actual book from before that. And it, it's a train wreck. I hated this thing. It, I mean, musical, uh, I can deal with in, in the smallest amount. Uh, I think I, there's like five musicals in my life that I liked. And this is definitely not one of them. It's got Tina Fey coming back to reprise her character and Tim Meadows, who had a small part as well. And then it's filled with a bunch of teens that I've never heard of, didn't care a damn about with these, again, for no reason whatsoever, they break out into song and dance. Uh, and if somebody has never seen the first one, this one will work okay. They but did you, song and dance. I hate it when they do song and dance in a movie. Yeah, and but again, if it's a new generation. You know, 2007 was a lifetime ago for some people. So if you didn't see that version, you might like this a little bit better. But I say screw it. Go back, watch the original version, because that's a much better much better movie something that i saw this week that i thought i would hate but i actually liked a little is called the beekeeper and this is uh starring jason statham in a typical jason statham movie where he has that uh, trademark five o'clock shadow 
And he's an ex-covert agent uh, who gets pulled back into the fray for the stupidest of reasons. He's friends with a neighbor who's played by uh, Felicia Rashad. You remember from the Cosby show? Yeah. Uh, And this woman gets fished online and she loses her entire fortune. And then she kills herself. This is this is addressed in the first five minutes of the movie. And so he decides he's going to go after them, the people who fished her. And I can't I, I don't believe that from the beginning, because how are you going to find people who are fishing online? That That's how they get away with it. They're unidentifiable. But then it just slips into a regular Jason Statham shoot em up action movie. So it's like you go in, you put your brain on hold and it's a bunch of really cool fight scenes well orchestrated well choreographed you know it's not going to change the world but it it didn't suck and for a jason statham movie these days that's high praise <laughs> it didn't suck um so uh, he's the uh lead character yeah right? yeah he's the lead um uh, three out of five for me only because like i said it didn't suck i wouldn't watch it again but I was happy I saw it. 68% with uh, critics, 91% with audiences. So the, the audiences, that's what they want. They want to see a lot of action, a lot of uh, firepower, a lot of pyrotechnics, and it delivers. And that is in theaters only. A similar movie, it's called The Painter. Oh, and I heard the only about pro- this. Well, the only character, uh, actor in the movie that I recognize is John Voight, uh, a friend of the right uh, and he has not a very big role. And this thing was putrid. And it's kind of on the same uh, thought. Uh, an ex-CIA agent who's trying to, you know, blend into a regular life gets pulled into the fray uh, because of a woman that he used to know. And then he gets chased by the CIA and black ops. And he has to rely on his survival skills and it was just really bad really horrible it wasn't fun the statham movie is fun you know but this thing is like belabored that couldn't happen this thing couldn't happen here this thing couldn't happen there and i just completely hated it. i gave it one out of five only because voight is in it zero <laughs> percent on the critics scale and 58 percent with the audience yeah, critic, those critics won't see it because voight's in it you know um, you know, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that because maybe Boyd is in it. They would just slam it for that, but it, it, it's not good. People listening, don't go see it. It'll it piss you off. It'll bum you out. You won't get your value. And it's on Voodoo and Prime. It had one week in the theater <laughs> last wow. week and, it, and then it went straight to Voodoo and Prime. Another one that was uh, kind of a letdown, it was called he went that way. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's, that's a bad title. title. Yeah, it sounds like something Bugs Bunny would say, you know. And it stars Zachary Quinto, who played uh, Spock in the rebooted Star Wars oh, yeah. Trek series. And a guy named Jacob L. Doherty, L. Lordy, I'm sorry. And this guy is going to be a big star someday. Um, he tall, like 6'5", dark, good-looking kid. And he was in uh, Saltburn last year, a really cool but screwed up art film. And he played Elvis Presley 
and Priscilla that also came out in the fall of last year. And the El Lordi play, uh, guy plays um, a serial killer based on a real person named Larry Rains. Have you ever heard of that name? Larry Rains? Larry Rains. Uh-uh. No, I didn't either. So I'm like, I looked him up and I'm like, oh, okay. He killed some people in the Midwest in the 60s. And uh, I read the story of the Reigns guy and then what the notes that I took from the movie, and they're barely comparable. Hmm. Uh, it's cut that kind of got, got a, a art house vibe, a, a serial killer vibe, a road flick. Uh, a buddy picture, and it can never settle on a tone. It's just going back and forth and back and forth, and I, I just couldn't follow it very well. And it was the first movie of the day at 10 a.m. with a lot of coffee, so I was I was prepped and ready for What do you it. do when you see the, you go you go to the theater, you see the movie, and then you wait, you take a break before you see another one, you go, like, uh, go have lunch, uh, take a walk. Uh, what do that's you do? what you we have, did in the. You have to have that, like a like a like a sherbet, you know, like a palate cleanser, an intermezzo between these movies. That's that's a good simile. Yeah, uh, that was the the case in the old days up in Atlanta uh, and pre COVID when we would have. Uh, I remember one day there was a ten o'clock, uh, a one o'clock, a four o'clock, and a seven o'clock, and luckily they had them all at the same place. It was at Phipps Plaza, uh, and yeah, you could go out like a palate cleansing. You know, take a leak, have a smoke, grab burn a, a heater. Yeah, maybe you got a little flask out in the car. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was in, that was in my back pocket. Uh, these now nowadays, I'm watching all of these things at home. Oh, the last movie, the last movie that I saw in a theater that I reviewed was Oppenheimer back in July. Well, that's because you saw it at an IMAX. Yeah, because right, I wanted to see it in IMAX, and the studio sent me a, a free pass, and you know, five days before it opened, it was great. I've watched it five times since then. Really? Yeah. Was it streaming um, yet? Uh, yeah, it is. It's on the. Um, don't hold me to this. I think it's on Voodoo and Prime. All right. Um, yeah, I'd like to watch it again too. It, it was it was fantastic. Oh, and it won the Golden Globes. It swept yeah. the Golden Globes, Best Picture, Best Director, Supporting Actor, uh, Supporting, I mean, Lead Actor, uh, Score, a bunch of technical awards. I think it's the hands-on favorite to win the Oscars in a, in, a, in every category that it's nominated in. Yeah. And it was great. To, that Did you see the Golden Globes? <laughs> Are you kidding? No, of course not. Yeah, no, I didn't either. I watched the highlights. The yeah, I saw after. the highlights, yeah. And this guy, Joe Coy, he really stepped in it, man. He just did not do a good job. Well, it was kind of a last-minute thing for him. If you've ever seen his stand-up routine, that guy is straight-up fire. He's hysterically fire. Yeah, he is, and that's why I was surprised that he took it, and I found out after the fact that he was like the seventh guy on yeah, the list. Yeah, and and uh, he gave them their best uh, ratings in, in years. Well, since the last Ricky Gervais thing. Was that uh, when was that? That was uh, two years ago, three years ago. Oh, I thought I this think was... what, the, uh, the, what the Golden Globes and the Oscars ought to do is just go without a host. The Oscars did it about five years ago, and it went over relatively well. And this time they're bringing Jimmy Kimmel back again. Oh, God. God, the kiss of death. I, I, I haven't watched the Oscars. I think I told you about this. I haven't watched the Oscars since like 2018 now. Uh, it's just so woke and it's so right. 
let me send you a message while I'm accepting this award for a movie that I made for fifteen million dollars. Uh, I, I don't I don't relate to that, and most of America does not relate to that. No. Just get up there, or like Ricky Gervais said, thank your agent, thank your mom, thank, thank God. God. Shut, yeah. and then shut, shut the f up and uh, <laughs> be on your way. <laughs> yeah. He's awesome. His comedy special I didn't find uh, too terrific. And that won a Golden Globe for the best stand-up. And, Go and figure. They'll, they'll never give it to uh, to Dave Chappelle, but his his recent sh- uh, special is off the chain, hysterical. Yeah, the Dreamer that was a much oh, better. God, it's so that good. was a much better show. Yep. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, he went that way. Twenty one percent with critics, which I agree with. Mine is two point five, and I'm being kind. And it's at one hundred percent with audiences, but but a caveat: that's just two reviews, so that's not a good indicator, right? I love the the concept of this, but not the, the execution. It's called the Book of Clarence, <laughs> as in a book from the Bible. And it's a fictional story. Some people might say that about the Bible in general, but I don't want to go there. But it's uh, <clears throat> a supposed 13th apostle named Clarence, who is who is black. The entire cast is black. <laughs> Jesus is black. Uh, and again, it's it's kind of a satire about, hey, this Jesus guy, it, it takes place right after the death of Jesus. And Clarence wants to make sure everybody knows who he is. So he's doing a PR thing. He in, wants to know, you know who he is or who Jesus is. They want to, He <laughs> wants them to know who Clarence is. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, it's like if Mel Brooks was black and still making movies in 2024. It sounds like a Mel that, Brooks thing. It really yeah, does. It sounds like I'm, and we'll find out later why I'm doing a couple of other movies uh, in that Mel Brooks style. Uh, but it, it was too long. It's two hours and nine minutes. And that doesn't sound like a long time when you consider the last two Scorsese movies were three and a half and four hours respectively. But for a comedy, a satire, a biblical satire, that's a long time to watch a movie. Uh, if they'd have trimmed this thing down from two hours and nine minutes down to 30, it would have been uh, an hour and a half. It would have been great, but it was just too much padding. Uh, and uh, frankly, there's a lot of people who are not going to watch a movie with an all-black cast that is kind of uh, blasphemous against Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it's like The Life of Brian by Monty Python. Uh but not really too bright, just or, or over long. It plays long. All right. two, the two hours and nine minutes felt like three hours. Uh, there's another one, and I'm only including this for its technical prowess. It's called Anselm, A-N-S-E-L-M, which is a movie, a documentary about a German artist named Ansel Kiefer, or Anselm Kiefer. I had never heard of this guy. And I think I'm pretty attuned to the art world, but he's this abstract artist who works in a number of different mediums, paint, clay, uh, wire, 3D stuff. And the movie was filmed in 6K resolution, which I have yet to see a movie like this. And can you see it on a 4K TV? You got to bump it up. Uh, Well, you can't see it on TV. It's only available in theaters. And I'm glad I did see it. Because it was a 4K 3D movie 
uh, on an IMAX screen. I'm like, wow, this looks really cool. But it, the the content just sucked. It, For a late. shot 6K shown in 4K 3D at the IMAX. Yes. That sounds like uh, two and a half grams of mushrooms and a joint <laughs> parking lot where you go in and off to the races we go. Yeah, if I was high, it might have been better. It was, again, this was a, a, an 11 o'clock showing, and um, uh, I respected what they were doing. Yeah, this guy works in all of these different disciplines, and yeah, his art is good, I guess, if that's what you're into. And I love the technical aspects of it, but it bored me silly. Uh, How I, long is it? Uh, just about 90 minutes, uh. maybe a little longer. Uh, two out of five for me, 97% with the critics because they like that kind of stuff. And 78% of the audiences, again, just uh, in theaters. And you got to see it in an IMAX theater. So depending on your location, you might not even be able to see it. One uh, that I was really looking forward to, and I'm kind of like, yeah, it was okay. Ted, the series. Oh, and we're I heard not about talking this. About we're not talking about Uncle Ted up in uh, Massachusetts. We're talking about Ted the Stuffed Bear. Uh, that is from the mind is, of... Is uh, Wahlberg in it? No. No, he's not. Um, it's uh, a prequel to the two films. So it's set in 1993. And Seth MacFarlane, again, uh, he's the showrunner. He provides the voice of the bear. Uh, and... You know, it's a tip what you might expect from a Ted project, uh, a very foul mouth, uh, mind in the gutter character voicing a bear. Uh, he's hot. You know, he's hot on the ladies and it's it's good. It, you know, I, I, I'm not going to jump up and down about it. And, uh, and they're only half hour episodes, so that's good. A lot of trash talk in, in the dialogue, and uh, it's on Peacock if you want to check it out. Three and a half for me, 63% with the uh, critics, 85% with the audiences, and again, it's on Peacock. I found this gem. Shannon, you are going to love this show. It's called Louder Milk. Louder Milk. Louder Milk, and it was produced. In, it started in 2020, and it was produced by the Audience Network. I'd never heard of this TV network. It was a, a division of AT and T, and it went belly up after the production ended on the third season. And it was picked up by Netflix, and you can also watch it on Prime. It stars Ron Livingston, who was the lead character in Office Space. Do you remember that yeah, guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and he plays a former music critic and a recovering alcoholic who leads meetings of other alcoholics. <laughs> it's funny as hell. It's produced by Bobby Fairley, who was one half of the Fairley brothers who did all of those gross-out movies in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, there's something about Mary and uh, me, myself, and Irene. And it's got all of these... Uh, uh, tags to old rock and roll, obscure rock and roll, not just like familiar stuff. And there's two very hot babes in the movie, and he isn't banging any of them or either of them yet. I've only gotten through the second season. And <clears throat> the problem is the 
the, the Fairley wanted to do this for five seasons. And when the audience network went belly up, he had to say, no, we're done. But I have arcs for two more seasons. So maybe Netflix will pick it up. I don't know. But I thought it was great. It four sounds like, kind of like that, uh, that, that short-lived series that Sheen did, Charlie Sheen did after Two and a Half Men, uh, where he was a counselor who met, had group, group uh, sessions in his home. I forget the uh, name of it. I don't recall it at all either. Yeah. But this yeah. guy, Livingston, has is got great deadpan delivery. It's very raunchy. He's got a lot of sex, drugs, rock and roll. And um, I, like I said, I can't recommend it uh, highly enough. Netflix and Prime. Uh, four out of five for me, 92% critics, 92% audiences. Two throwbacks. I know we're running low on time. Both Mel Brooks movies, back-to-back, 74 and 75, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. Yes. That marked the zenith of Mel Brooks' career. Uh, and two movies that could not be made now. You try Absolutely. to make those movies right now, and it would not happen. Guys farting on the air, yeah. using the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Netflix what great knockers too. you have. Yeah, there's some great, <laughs> great stuff. Both of those are fantastic. Terry, yeah. Terry and he's talking about Terry Garza. Yeah, my, one of my favorites. Uh, Blazing Saddles on Netflix, Voodoo and Prime, and Apple, and Young Frankenstein, uh, sadly, only on Direct TV. Ah, that sucks. Yeah, it does. Uh, a reminder again: through the end of January, twenty-five peppers hot sauce. You buy three four-ounce bottles, you get a fourth at no charge. Uh, Brent twenty-five peppers at AOL dot com or on Twitter at Movie Man Mike, where you will see a. Uh, uh, rundown of everything we've talked about this afternoon in in beautiful color with uh, Bart Simpson at the bottom. Read Mike's reviews in Newsmax magazine at thefederalist.com and at Epic Times. Good to talk to you, brother. Thanks, bro. Talk See, to you soon. Have fun at the bike race. Thanks, man. Bike bike right, ride. Thanks. Yes. So, bike ride. <laughs> thanks. Uh, ride for Israel. Rideforisrael.com Sunday morning. It's going to be a hoot. Uh, when we return, we'll get to your remarks. Um, and I'll tell you about a woman who got frozen to the bottom of a dumpster. Hang on. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network.